At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, hello and welcome back to Lorehammer. Welcome, My welcome, name is Eric. Welcome, 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 Eric. Hey, I'm Mark. And welcome, we are Lorehammer. <laughs> Perfect. What an intro. We did it, boys. <laughs> uh, with us, we got Peter. Hello. Peter, it's been a while since you've been here. Uh, that's true. Glad it, to be back welcome with back. you guys. I'll put all the cheering in. in yeah, there'll be like oh, a big soundtrack you. announcing your arrival right, and now everything. Get, yeah. Now get the booing pulled yeah, up because I got we the booing ready. got Christian. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I don't kidding, Christian. I, I love you. <laughs> it's because every time you come back, we tell you, don't worry. This is your last time. <laughs> And it always brings him back. He's like, all right, I can do one more. I can do one more for <laughs> yeah. you guys. I literally crawled out of bed for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, today is episode uh, 92. Ooh, yeah. We are getting scarily close to that 100. Mm-hmm. The 100. inbox is filling up with what we should do, and they're yeah. promptly deleted. I A run lot my of own show. And... ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is why most people don't do community run stuff. Um, so it's like you don't do internet polls. You're not going to get a good name. But we do that, though, as well, don't we? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What have we done? Oh, my God. Uh, Today's episode, 92, is all about the Carcharodon Astra. Yeah, the space shark. So, you know, you thought I teased you guys last episode. I mean, I definitely thought Mark was lying. You think I wasn't capable of doing back-to-back Space Marine episodes, but (laughs) I'm growing as a person. (laughs) So... Join me as I grow (laughs) and change into someone who loves Space Marines. (laughs) Um, But before we actually get into the episode, we got a couple things we want to uh, talk about first. And really one of the only things is Discord. Yeah. If you aren't on our Discord, first off, what the heck are you doing with your life? Get on the Discord. (laughs) They might be outside, which I've heard is... But the, the crazy thing is you can be on Discord while outside. Okay, well, then out of excuses. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. No internet? <laughs> if you need reasons to hang out on the Discord, uh, look no further because we've got four right here. Number one, painting contests. Ooh. You need to be a Patreon member uh, to be on the painting contest. But just as an example, we run them every month. Last month was a two-color painting contest. So everyone was just asked to get whatever model you wanted and pick two colors, and you just had to build everything from those models on two colors. Yeah, very and cool. And it's very cool. Yeah, some interesting results. So you can use black, white, and then two colors. Yeah, and then you pick two yeah. other colors, and you mix them yeah. however you want, right. and then you build the model. And there's some really yeah. cool stuff out there that people did. Yeah. So, yeah, you can enter that. You can get uh, prize money. We give out GW gift cards, I believe. Yep, right to first now. and second place. You know, but, you know, that's... Yeah, so pretty nice. if you want to participate in contests, whether it's, you know, it's normally painting, but we also do modeling, converting, story Stories, writing, whatever. Yeah, drawing maybe, I don't know, anything. <laughs> yeah. 
hang out there. Another one, events. If you're looking for something to do, you should come and hang out with us because we have like weekly stuff running all the time. Yeah, sometimes they're painting events. Sometimes we watch some TV shows. But whatever it's up to, it's usually pretty fun. We get some giggles yeah. going. It, that's the most important part, yeah. is it not? Just the, the giggling? Yeah, you know. Some, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some brotherhood. Some bonds. I mean, Christian is giggling just over there. No, that's not my real giggle. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your customer service giggle? Yeah. Like, oh, you're very funny, sir. (laughs) It's the eighth Uh, time I've heard that joke today. (laughs) Uh, So you should come hang out in our events that we do. They're very fun. Uh, Another one, we have the Necromunity, which is, if you don't know, we're recreating the Necromunda book. Oh, that's not what I thought it was. <laughs> Do you ever <Christian>. get <laughs> unsolicited <laughs> members to the Necromunity? <laughs> uh, I'm a little nervous This, is, this is not the group I thought it was. Uh. I'm just going to back into the bushes like Homer Simpson. <laughs> uh, but if you had that thought, well, let me tell you what it actually is. Uh, we are recreating the Necromunda idea and building a planet from the ground up ourselves. And everything from place, like... Topographical features all yeah, the way to flora and fauna. Exactly. Um, and habitating it with people mm-hmm. and histories. Uh, just So we're just coming up on the end of June. I think this episode is going to be released on the 30th. And June was all about flora and fauna. Yeah. And so we had some really, really cool stuff in there. Yeah. Um, One of the animals, I made this one, and then it was crazy. Like, five people immediately after that were like, cool, there's this animal, mine interacts with it this way. Yeah, And mine, like, lives off of that animal. And here's a plant that it shits. Yeah, mine. (laughs) Mine also shits. (laughs) (laughs) It does that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But what's neat is that... Almost anything that you write is going to find its way into Necromunity somehow. Yeah. And so it's really cool because we're, we're planning on making this book and trying to publish it so you can buy it and play in this world. So if you want to be participating in that, hang out, check out our Necromunity portion. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And if you needed more uh, reason to go join it, next month is gangs. And people love talking about gangs and all the cool <laughs> little... We love things gangs. about them. And yeah. I don't know. People are really excited to like give their gangs flavor yeah, and yeah. history yeah. and write like the rules of mm-hmm. initiation rights and all that jazz. So <laughs> yeah, all the fun stuff. Oh my god. Okay, one more. Okay, LTL. Yeah, Lorehammer. Let's talk. Let's talk Lorehammer. Yeah, it's the podcast based around effectively our community. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this month they are uh, they so they take suggestions and then they pretty much do episodes on it so this month they're doing relics so send in or create your favorite relic that you've made for like your uh space marine chapter or craft world or whatever do you have some crazy star cannon who knows let them know unfortunately submissions are going to be on the day this episode comes (laughs) out the deadline so you're not going to be able. Well, to... then just private message me. That's I'm right. I'm still going to read it. Send it's it gonna... to Mark. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah. Um. But yeah, LTL is one of the best ways to get involved in the Lorehammer community. It's uh easy, fun, and Matt's also really cute. So that's a. That's a it's just a little bonus. A little for bonus you. for you yeah. guys because you get to video chat Matt and hang out with him. So. Um. And since the uh, podcast is almost entirely community driven through submissions, uh, you guys can help actually make the podcast. So without the help, the podcast kind of just is like Matt and Dylan like. Just yeah. kind of making dick jokes, which is fun. It's fun, but, you know, the submissions are what makes it unique. <laughs> yeah. So, look, anyone can do dick jokes. That, yeah, Watch. exactly. Penis. <laughs> See? Exactly. We got two giggles out of that. Yeah. Okay. Peter is too good to laugh at that, those yeah, kind of jokes. It's fine. It's fine. 
<laughs> he likes it. <laughs> he thought of what did I just laugh at? No. It just took a minute. Uh, and the final thing before we get into the episode. Okay, okay. So crazy thought. I get a lot of messages about, uh, hey, did you know Henry Cavill plays Warhammer and you should reach out to him? And wow, like, we didn't know. Yeah, and also, like, I don't have his cell phone number. <laughs> but here's the plan. Like, if, I, I, if we had Henry Cavill's cell phone number... Do you think we would still be talking to you? <laughs> I'd be hanging with him exactly, right now. Yeah, <laughs> dudes into horses and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've seen his Instagram. <laughs> but basically, yes, we know he plays Warhammer. We would love to try to get him on the show. Now, this is a crazy pipe dream. But basically, my my plan is he's got an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. You can message his Instagram account. That's right. So message it and just say you should go on Warhammer 40k. It's a podcast. Go join it. And maybe if enough people message, he'll see it. He'll come on. Who knows? Could be pretty neat. You know, we're sticking our hand into the the black hole right now, mm. and we're hoping that when we draw it out, mm-hmm. it's attached to Henry Cavill's beautiful Superman face, mm-hmm. <laughs> and not just and like... not a cease and desist letter from lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> either way, we're going to pull our fifty yeah. shots. <laughs> it's unfortunate because this is going to be really so. For years, Henry Cavill's now going to get That's bombarded right. by email messages. He's going to be like, guys, I did that five years yeah. ago. <laughs> Let's get on that. Let's try to make that happen. That'd be incredible if somehow we got that to happen. We could hear about his armies. We could hear about his lore. Who knows? How long? Yeah. Anything you want to hear about Henry Cavill's Warhammer 40K experience, mm-hmm. we also want to hear about it. Yeah. So help us yeah. help you <laughs> help exactly. him help him exactly. share his story of 40k exactly so seriously go go message him on instagram saying go join the show but yeah anyways um wow i'm ready for the episode i'm excited Whew. it's two space marine episodes in a row uh we did think that that would cause the universe to explode mm-hmm. it hasn't yet so but it's still crossed. on the table <laughs> yeah well, let's see how mark's doing by the end of the episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the table's flip he just it. starts twitching <laughs> he's crawling on the roof okay I'm excited. <laughs> carcaridons um carcaridons astra Astra yeah. Carcharodons. A.K.A. the Space Sharks. Ooh. A.K.A. The Sharky Boys. <laughs> I've never heard that one. But. The Car Keys. Oh, the car- okay. Uh, <laughs> That's our word. The- <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to use that. The Toothies. Uh-huh. The Sharp Tooths. <laughs> yeah. Finnies? I don't- oh, okay. Finnies. Yeah. Um, I got nothing else. I'm out of shark-related The puns. No Sleepers. Like, this is Sharks where- don't sleep. <laughs> shark facts. Shark. Okay. Let me pull up my. Hey, uh, Jamie, if you could just pull up uh, a shark facts on. Sharks will kill you. Okay, there's shark fact. Well, let's start a Space Marine episode the best way we know how, and that is with a quote written by someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. And so, the gray clad came from the outer night. And their jagged maw did swallow the stars, and their their black gaze did mirror the void of oblivion. Their pale shadows fell upon the servants of the Skald One with great fury from the darkness, unseen as the beast that lurks beneath the black waters, death for death, blood for blood. Thus were the sons of Sanguinius bought respite, and did turn back upon their pursuers, and so were the damned traitors of the false gods driven unto their ruin. And that is a canticle of Cassandra Lev. Cool. Yeah. 
so the picture we we just gotta just drive this home. Just whenever you hear us talking, just picture sharks in space floating through the dead <laughs> They're boys, dead. Their circling dead cold eyes. Yes. Yeah, and now just put smelling that, the blood in space. Uh-huh. <laughs> now just put that in power armor. That's so right. Keep that image in the back away, tucked deep deep back there. Yeah, there's nice power armor surrounding their tails, their yeah. powerful tails. <laughs> power armor sur- helping their gills oh, to yeah. breathe more water. Breathe their gills. <laughs> That's <right>. Space water. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the show Street Sharks from like the 80s or not? Yeah. 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 That's what I picture. No. Just bulked up, super muscular sharks <laughs> yeah. in space. Holy moly. Yeah, you got to see the uh, Vin Diesel commercial where he has the space sharks or the street shark uh, oh, puppets okay, on his okay. hands. I've definitely seen these images, but I've never watched the show. They're just wearing jeans and they have a shark It's a little head. less protective than power armor. Yeah, but... but... The it's mentality. A, it's it's yes. a lifestyle. <laughs> really. Shark life. Yeah, shark life's a thing. Well, so, we're going to start off with their history, and uh, we're going to start off with the Solar Rebellion. So the first recorded event of the um, Carcharodons, potentially, is yes. M32. And it happens actually in two separate instances. Uh, presumably, the first mention of the Carcharodons was in the Solar Rebellion. During this uprising, some 100 systems across the western segmentum solar experienced a drastic increase in cultist activity, behind which were the Iron Warriors, Night Lords, and World Eaters. Um, so that's, like, really fresh off the horse. Heresy. Yeah. I can't even remember when, like, Gilliman made the Codex. It had to have been It was, in that. like, recent, like, 100 years after type okay. of heresy. So this, but... this has been a minute, then, since that. Yeah. Okay. It was only through the combined effort of several Astartes chapters that entire sectors were saved. One imperial source even claims that the Angels of Death descended from outside the galactic plane itself, though this was not widely acknowledged as truth. There were several well-documented chapters that participated. The Minotaurs, the Death Eagles, the Angels of Absolution, and the Carcharodons. Cool. And they just descend from the galactic plane yeah, to do battle. It's the the idea of things existing outside of the galaxy is very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get more on that and potentially how that all works. It's but, definitely uh, a theme. Yeah. It's the circling waters, the shark yeah. waiting and watching and everything. So yeah. we're definitely going to come back to that. 40K does have a lot of like oceanic illusions and stuff too when they describe ships and like travel and all that too so it's cool like it adds to that like yeah i don't even in the deep yeah. sea fair yeah. shanty tales like i don't even know if that's particularly like 40k exclusive a lot of they lean people, heavily a lot of people yeah, yeah, make yeah. like similar illusions from space to water and the idea is that right. like oh you're an explorer. sci-fi in general yeah, yeah, yeah you're an explorer on the water you were sailing the seas now Ships. you're sailing the void stars you know yeah sailing the sea of stars that's right, sailing, sailing the, stars. the stars, the mm-hmm. star sea. Okay. The sea stars. Star- <laughs> sea stars. Sea- now you're Susie, making stuff up. Susie <laughs> sells sea stars by the sea store. Yes. Carcharodons. Carcharodons. Okay, so the next incident we have uh, with them is the Astropath Wars, and this is an M32. So while the Solar uh, Rebellion has given no year within M32 since the Astropath wow since the Astropath wars take up the latter part of the millennium we assume that the solar rebellion is a precursor to it very little information is given about the Astropath wars though it is assumed to have been involved you know the Astropath somehow they were warring <laughs> we don't quite know but we can guess and uh, it began in 888 M32 ending sometime in early M33 
So fra fragmented data scraps and information leads most Imperial scholars to believe that the Carcharodons were involved, though we don't really know exactly what yeah. they did, whose side. Un unfortunately, was, but... like a lot of the things in 40K, if it's not, you know, horse heresy or <laughs> in 40K, there's not a lot of information about it. I think Astropath Wars is one of the few, it's just like a single line yeah. on a on a timeline map. And all it says is Astropath Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's one other mention of like, oh, Carcharodons were at Astropath Wars. So like, we have no idea what any of it was. But it was there. So <laughs> it happened. We included it. <laughs> all right. So next we have the War of the False Primarch. Uh, so their next recorded engagement was in 830 M33 uh, during the War of the False Primarch. <laughs> and the Pentarchy of Blood. Uh, the war began in 780 M33 and overtook much of the Segmentum Pacificus. Uh, there exists only scattered truths and misspoken facts about the war itself, although it wasn't until the Pentarchy of Blood that the Astartes presence was requested. So they weren't even actually, like, they didn't participate even in that war, technically, until this Pentarchy was like, hello, Please, Space Marines, <laughs> come do your thing. And then they just finished it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we're going to find out. Well, it was 50 years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after the beginning Spoilers. of the war that the High Lords of Terra established the Pentarchy of Blood, uh, a temporary organization of five Astaris chapters created to destroy 11 other chapters, declared Traitoris Perdita by the Council. Uh, the members of this pentarchy were Red Talons, Death Eagles, Carcharodons, Flesh Eaters, and the Charnel Guard. And the names of the 11 chapters that were destroyed and they had their homeworlds burned uh, aren't listed. We don't know who they are, uh, but they're traitors and they <laughs> yep. deserve no recognition from us or any yep. sorts of reports. <laughs> yeah, yep. we, we keep that chaos um, on the lockdown. Yeah, exactly. The less people know, the less they're likely to try and find out. Yeah, keep I that mean, shit in the eye of terror. Anytime that you've got five chapters defeating <laughs> eleven chapters, yeah. yeah, they probably don't want their names to be known. Really. <laughs> That's just embarrassing yeah. for them. Um, yeah, it's described as they just go from like world to world, just one at a time. Like that home world's next. Okay, so all five chapters just descend upon that one world, and it just it. It sounds to me like they just devour yeah, everything yeah, yeah. in just a shower of blood. Yeah. If you know some of these other ones, like the Charnel Guard is a pretty bloody name. Flesh Red, Eaters. Yeah, Flesh Eaters is a very good example. Like, they yeah. even kill their own, like, allied guardsmen and shit. So <laughs> I'm sure it's a very brutal war, this yeah. one. Yeah. The None of these are like, oh, we're Imperial Fists, and we like to perform tactics in a very simple and great manner. No, these are like, hello, yes, maximum bloodshed, please. Yeah, blood for the blood. I mean, Emperor protects. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, and then what's crazy is, so that was M33, and the next time we're going to see them is in M37. The seventh Black Crusade, M37. While the Kosherodons did not participate in the lion's share of the fighting during the crusade, it was their fleet that harried Abaddon's forces from the planet of Macan. This may have prevented Abaddon from performing even more sacrilegious acts upon the loyalist forces that had died there. Yeah, it looked like he was kind of trying to set up even more just rituals and, mm. you know, spells and sacrifices <clears throat> to the dark gods. And... Was that the one where, like, he that was the blood angels were involved yes. and, like, they made the planet rivers of blood as is tradition yeah, yeah. for them. Okay. Yeah, the blood angels were definitely there. Okay, so they came in and just... 
Yeah, it looks like they did. Like it said, they didn't do yeah. the lion's share of the fighting, but they kind of finished it off and chased chased them away. Yeah, back into the. Nice. It's kind of crazy how little you actually see a presence of the Carcharodons <clears throat> yeah, throughout like, like the history. They've been around for a long time. Yeah, uh, you just can't record everything. I'm going to chalk course. it up to well, that. I'm going to use my imagination. I'll come up with 37 other events that they've participated through, and I'll leave. <laughs> some of them were more peaceful, you know. Yeah, some of them. Are. I would like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would like that. I think it just fits with their whole idea of being space sharks, like <laughs> coming you know, from a, the dark. A shark ice. isn't going to just show up all the time here <laughs> in the ocean. Only when there's worthy prey. That's right. Uh, oh. <laughs> but when it does, it's noticeable. <laughs> Stuff happens. And uh, so in M41, they make a bunch more appearances. So one of them is in 211. The Kerkaridons help defend uh, Explorator fleet from Orc terror ships. Um, we don't know much about that, but yeah, there's a lot there though. Orc terror ship. <laughs> what is? I tried is? to. I tried to see. You know, what is an orc terror ship? Is it different from like their regular, regular stuff? And unfortunately, yeah. I couldn't really find. Yeah. Damn it! 40K. Anything. Now, I do this all the time. Now I know though about the Carcharodons. They have a crazy fleet, and we're going to talk about some of the capabilities of the fleet. So this battle would be crazy though. Um, they got some truly spectacular and unique weapons. I, I think that. The even like the imagery of the Carcharodons, yeah. it really suits itself to space battle. Yeah, and it like, just descends and rams yeah. other ships, and just like yeah, all you have to do is think about how like sharks hunt and <laughs> how seen they a attack. Shark? <laughs> yeah, that, now it, put it in know. space. Okay, so Colin, if ever you listen to us, Colin, count how many times we say the word shark. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy. How many times we compare Carcharodons to sharks? <laughs> Okay, so the Battle of uh, Zartak yeah, Here now is, we're getting into some meat. Yeah, this yeah. is the next time they show up, and this is in the 800s. A prop- prosperous mining planet whose main export was adamantium. The ruling class of Zartak once decided to overthrow their loyalist ruler and secretly succeed from the Imperium. After uh, years of missed ties, the Administratum sent a fleet to the planet, which disappeared. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> then they sent out a second fleet, this time armed, you know, you know, couple couple guns to find out what happened <laughs> it was after the first fleet uh but the second one only arrived but at the before car- the second oh one sorry arrived. it was after this but before the second one arrived that the carcharodons appeared in the skies above zartak instantly fearful of their lives now that the astartes has arrived the zarkanians prepared an ambush for them it was only thanks to the precog powers of carcharodon librarian t kahuragani kahurangi yeah that the ambush did not destroy the Astartes force, and then began a brief but intense war that mainly took place through tunnels and mining shafts on the planet. I love the imagery of space marines just running through tunnels and just like dead, dead, yeah, dead, just, just clearing <laughs> tunnels yeah. as they sweep through it. And I like to think it's like dark, and you just see like their lenses in the dark, and all you hear is just yeah, as they pound themselves through it. Oh, yeah, that's oh. lots of uh, what's that show? The animated animated astartes, astartes yeah. Yeah, yeah no it's very similar yeah. how like they're Instead running of space corridors ship. yeah exactly just yeah. blasting through tunnels yeah eventually the carcharodons found the imprisoned imperial governor and her grandson freed them wiping out the ruling faction and restored power to her after having renewed her oath to the imperium so you know they did the right thing they gave power back okay to the people perfect well, no, no no back to the, the ruling class to, to, to the, the previously yeah, oppressive yeah. ruler well you know <laughs> 
as all things should be. <laughs> In 40k. It was then that they informed her her presence on Zatark was unrelated to her rebellion. That their presence. So they came to this planet. They're like, we actually weren't here for that. Yeah. They're just like, this, this is, is just a, a side this is a side joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, in truth, they were there to perform a red tithe. Uh, and every single remaining inhabitant was taken by the Carcharodons, emptying it of life. And we're going to talk about that. We'll tell you what happens to them later. So it literally they show nice. up. <laughs> They're like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be in charge." <laughs> they reinstate the like previous ruler after wiping out the military force, and then they say, "Ah, yes, thank you. Come with us." <laughs> now that we know who's in charge here, <laughs> we'll be taking a time. Um. So when the second administratum fleet eventually arrived, all they found was an empty planet. <laughs> And so it became a penal world repopulated so it can, can, could continue to mine. So they just found how, new populations. How many times does it happen in 40K yeah. where like, hey, we're, we just don't have any communication from this planet. Let's go see what's <laughs> going on. And there's no life. And previously, last time, there was billions of people on this planet. <laughs> and all we see is this crazy bloodshed everywhere. And they're like, well, shit. Let's populate it again. <laughs> At least they left the mining equipment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The pics just, are still good. <laughs> yeah. The idea is just, like, how many times, like, what's the, where do they file that? You know, like, <laughs> what category is it looking for? I'm looking for planets that previously had unexplained losses of all life. Uh, yes, here's this 500-planet list. Anyways. And then they just grab a whole population from somewhere else and well, some hive plant. Well, jail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it's illegal to breathe. We're going to have to take this population <laughs> off, off planet. Round them up and yeah. set them to work. So that's nice. Um, they're there to help you, but not really. <laughs> the next time we see them is in the Badab War. Uh, and this is like their big, this is their time in the spotlight, really. Yeah. Uh, and the Badab War happened from 901 to 912 in M41. Uh, a little bit of a disclaimer. This is not a Badab War episode. <laughs> yeah. And we're n- going to skip over like 98% of the entire war because it's very like well documented. Yeah, yeah. Tons um, of different interactions. So we'll just focus yeah. on the ones that our Sharky Boys were Exactly. In. We're only going to talk about the Space Sharks. Yeah. So... Arriving in 910 M41, the Carcharodons quickly became a byword for ferocious, vicious, brutal warfare, supplanting the previously titled Minotaurs, and we talked about that just in our last episode mm-hmm. about them. Uh, when their initial entrance was viewed, or while their initial entrance was viewed with distrust, they were given the Endymion Cluster to handle, which they set to with a passion. <laughs> they went from planet to planet, scorching the earth, tearing down strongholds, and massacring the, quote, traitor population. Crazy. Uh, this cluster had initially been under the dominion of the Mantis Warriors chapter, and they could not stand idly by while the space sharks pillaged and plundered. This was exactly what the Carcharodons were hoping for, and following a number of brutal assaults, the Mantis Warriors surrendered to the Sharky Boys. Nice. 
they did it. Yeah, it was uh, around this time that the Fire Angels, which was a loyalist chapter, grew so disturbed and disgusted with the Space Sharks' methods that they withdrew from the Bad Ab War. Uh, and they also had, you know, lost a bunch sure. of guys. They were just sick of it. Yeah, exactly. They, they weren't at fighting strength. They couldn't really contribute. But then the final straw, that they were just like, oh, we don't like this. <laughs> like, we're out of here. Yeah. So it's crazy. So there's a lot in there of just talking how fucking good these guys are. We talked in the last episode about the Minotaurs and just how they were like the preeminent space marine versus space marine fighters in probably the galaxy they're up yeah. there for sure and these guys come up and they just are like no we're definitely better more vicious we're better yeah. than you they made a reputation fighting other space marines and they're, they're crazy yeah the the whole idea of them going to this endymion cluster yeah. and like scorching the earth behind them like sure they believe that they're doing the right thing because hey this is a traitor population <laughs> yeah. so they need to be purged but are they really <laughs> but at the same time they're like well actually what we really wanted to do was draw out the mantis warriors yeah and like what better way than to destroy everything you care about? <laughs> yeah. What, what's crazy about the Carcharodons is you will see that they just don't give a shit. They're <laughs> yeah, just going to yeah. do, like, you give them the order, but they're like, we're going to decide how this happens. <laughs> yeah. And there will be blood. Yeah. There will be maximum blood. <laughs> as much as possible. Um, because of their effectiveness in eliminating the Mantis Warriors, uh, but, you know, not entirely happy with how they did it... <laughs> Commander Carib Kalm gave the sharks the responsibility of attacking the primary infrastructure of Badab Primaris, which was the major hive city. Yeah, that's like the, the leading forces stronghold. Yeah. Uh, while other forces and chapters <laughs> maneuvered on other fronts on the planet. So they were like, you guys get the main front and yeah. we will handle the secondary objectives and stuff. Uh, in true savage fashion, the Carcharodons destroyed the reactor cores of the primary hives, setting off a chain reaction that saw the destruction of Badab Primaris. Ah, yes. Okay. In the chaos of everyone attempting to flee the dying planet, many loyalists were caught in the devastation, and the Star Phantoms chapter hold a grudge against the Carcharodons to this day, who they see as at fault for all the needless imperial loyalist deaths. <laughs> Apparently, they got like they lost a lot of their members yeah. just in like the destruction that they caused. Yeah, like uh, they were sieging a fortress, so everyone's forces were there. Like, yeah. and then I like it. Also, kind of mentions that the planet itself went under like traumatic changes. Like, I'm mm. assuming maybe earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like volcanoes. They're like disrupting the core or something. Like, yeah. they really did a number to this planet. <laughs> Oof. But but tell us more. What uh, happened? Well, they also participated in two other known but uh, not dated battles in the Bad Ab War. So the first is the engagement on Fulcrum uh, 4 or C. Okay. And no information is given, but they were there. And then uh, another one is the Siege of Endymion Prime. And that's where uh, the Fire Angels and the Space Sharks fought the Mantis Warriors. So that one is probably where the Fire, fire Warriors saw first... Fire Angels, oh my god, saw firsthand the brutality mm -hmm. of the Carcharodons. Yeah. And it, I feel like it takes a lot to force another space marine to be like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. That was too much. <laughs> you know, like, they're pretty savage yeah. all around. So We try to keep blood splattered to a minimum around here. <laughs> yeah. Please. Hey, I don't know if you know, but this is going to be a lot of paperwork. There's just blood splatters everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we told Jerry he could have the night off, so please be no, tone it down. There will be no blood splatter if you just nuke the city. <laughs> hey. Uh, when the Bad Ab War was finally over, the Carcharodons returned one last time. 
Because, you know, they didn't mess it up enough the first time. But they returned one last time to the Endymion Cluster to thoroughly ransack the fortress monastery of the Mantis Warriors uh, <laughs> for gear, munitions, valuables, slaves, serfs, ships, <laughs> yeah. anything. <laughs> I heard you got things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want those things. And not, yeah, so not only did they take the things, but they also took the people. They yeah. emptied it. And in the same way that they did their red tithe of <laughs> Kartak, you know, they, yeah. they took the red tithe over here and, and they said... Yes, you will make a slave, and you will make a serf, and you will be an initiate and probably die. And we're just going to eat this one. Yeah, this one's, this one's <laughs> dinner. This one's food. So. Whew. That's nice. And that was their involvement in the Bad Ab War. They basically showed up, made a brutal reputation for themselves, blew up a planet, pissed off some loyalists. <laughs> pissed off some loyalists. <laughs> and then we're like, yo, peace out, dog. And then, wait, never mind, we forgot <laughs> stuff. We're coming back. <laughs> Hey, they're like texting the other chapters. <laughs> did I leave all those people there? Oh, I did. Oh, I forgot my time. Yeah. Hey, when I do that. There was still stuff there for me. Holy smokies. <laughs> That's nice. All right, Peter, you got the next one? Oh, uh, unknown year in M41. Uh, this is presumably after the Bad Ab War. Uh, they defeated a gene stealer cultist infestation on the Shrine Worlds of Piety V, or Piety V, with the help of the Ashen Claws. Yeah. And the Ashen Claws is another kind of, like, well-known, but their history is a little unknown, kind of mysterious, even. (laughs) So there's a lot of chapters that we've been mentioning lately where... Things are kind of up in the air about them. Like the Minotaurs, their history is weird and convoluted and not entirely laid out in stone. The Carcharodons, there's like weird timings and naming conventions with other established chapters. Yep. And the Ashen Claws, they have a weird history. It's <laughs> All I'm saying is coincidence. <laughs> I think not. Yeah. Anyways. We, we are doing a Tales of the Warp at the end where we will be talking more yes. about all these kind of gene siege shenanigans and whatnot. Yeah, so. and the Ashen Claws, I believe, are going to be mentioned yeah. specifically. Yeah, we'll so tell you more details about hold that. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. Up next, though. But, uh, oh, come on, Peter. You got the next one, too. Oh, uh, We're not going to give him just one more. <laughs> all right, let me tell you about the Great Rift. Uh, there's a notable lack of activity by the Carcharodons during the 13th Black Crusade and the Great Rift. Even though following the formation of the Cicatix Maledictum, uh, they were granted the planet Uthaca, formerly the fortress monastery of the Mantis Warriors. What a so they go back. Planet. They go back to the end. <laughs> we forgot the building. One more time, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I'm taking this. <laughs> All I see is it's a very Futurama vibe where they just come, they have a ship and they just wrap a net around a planet and they're like, this is actually ours as well. <laughs> but yeah, then they get Utheka, which is kind of neat. <laughs> Uh, so to add to this confusion, uh, there is no indicator that the space sharks have laid any particular claim to this planet at all and appear to continue operating as a fleet-based chapter, patrolling a- above the galactic plane, searching for prey to consume. So they have a planet, and yep. they just don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of crazy. Like They're saving up for the red power. <laughs> yeah. The- energy prices on that planet are disgusting <laughs> it just makes more sense to be a fleet based ship <laughs> it's fiscal responsibility is what it is 
so their only recorded activity in recent history is their victory over the World Bears on Budor Five during the Indomitus Crusade. And that is like that's their history. Yeah. They show up, they circle. Do do <laughs> do All their that's... ships have a fin <laughs> on the very top. Dude. Ominous music plays when you're the Over other the side. Yeah. No, they, they like jack into your frequencies and they play the Jaws theme <laughs> as they're coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Couple strong themes though. Like, yeah, they really don't like to stay in one spot. They just kind of go where they want to go. Yep. And appear where they want to appear. I mean, the idea of like not staying in one spot and constantly moving that harkens right back to the shark Say theme. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Will um. I, you might have been able to pick it up, and it also might not have been, but the way they engage in warfare itself is also very shark-like, and <laughs> I believe we'll get into that Lots later. Lots of biting. <laughs> yeah. Dismemberment of limbs. Yeah. Just very shark. Grab on. <laughs> Don't let go. I think we get into it later. Yeah, yeah, right? we okay, do. So yeah, I'm not going to mention it now, yeah, yeah. but like it's... The theme is really well done. <laughs> I think. I, I like it. I'm Very a man strong. for a strong theme, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm a sucker for it. I'm a sucker for a good theme. <laughs> yeah. Whew. All, right, All right. Next up, uh, Christian, what do you got for us? I have Founding and Gene Seed. Ah. The Kersheridons are a mysterious and enigmatic chapter of Astartes, having forged themselves in a dark and bloody legend in the minds of those that survived the conflict known as the Badab War. Nobody knows exactly which Primarch's gene seed led to the creation of the chapter. Even the sharks themselves don't speak of it, while the opportunities for outsiders to study their gene seed organs is exceedingly rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most chapters don't openly invite uh, inquisitorial scientists yeah, yeah, yeah. or administrative <laughs> you know what? people. I, I would also say, though, that some do. It really depends on the chapter culture. Some are Who very... Who would you say does? Red scorpions. Like... Yeah, Red Skull. Like, they're proud, even, of their purity. Genetic purity. And they're, like, they're showing it off. Okay. Yeah, right. you don't. Come on. You think we couldn't just name one off the top of our head? <laughs> Can you name <laughs> another one? Imperial Fists. Boom. You think we couldn't just name these having, things Having the had to rebuild their chapter well, from the vaults okay. repeatedly. I think that's <laughs> different, though, because everyone knows who the my, Imperial my, Fists are. My point is. is it just depends on the culture of the chapter. Like, that they're yeah. so different. They're so varied. Some, Yeah, lots, I'm sure, are independent <laughs> and free. Some refuse people to look into it, and yeah. some people are totally open books, and they're like, you know all what? All right, yeah. okay. I, that's I just, sit that's corrected. All I'm emphasizing, but the sharks they don't care. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Like, they don't care who it, who's who they come right. From. Yeah, it doesn't seem as much of a secret to them as much as like, I don't uh, care okay. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, there's no need for someone to look into it. So <laughs> yeah. why are you looking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I really sound that awfully guilty you when you don't know. <laughs> I don't care who my dad is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh no, and they're violent because they're just having daddy outbursts. Yeah. <laughs> they need a hug and a dad. Just like the Minotaur's psychologist. No. <laughs> <laughs> These guys just need a father figure. Um, <clears throat> nobody. Kn- Did I read that already? No, you're on point three. Three. <clears throat> there are two main thoughts about the origins of their gene seed, but first we will talk about all the genetic markers and differences that the gene seed implanted in them causes to their bodies. The appearance of all Carcharodons shares some singular details. They all have grayish pale skin with an almost death-like pallor. Mm-hmm. Some of the most venerable and ancient Carcharodons have liquid black eyes without iris or sclera. Beyond this, however, there are no common phenotypes amongst encountered Carcharodons. Yeah. 
they don't have the bone spurs or <clears throat> burst into flame or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that they're super pale and have very black eyes. Mm-hmm. Like Gray, full. Almost like a shark. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, weird. Is their skin a little rubbery? Peter, can you please knock off the shark references? <laughs> it's getting a little heavy handed. <laughs> Is there a Karsheridon fin soup? <laughs> <laughs> Only made with the choicest of Karsheridon <laughs> flesh. Um, the... I keep rereading stuff, sorry. Point five. All good. We do know that their gene seed is prone to degeneration and mutation, however. We are unsure if they are if they still have all the gene seed organs or if millennia of genetic drift have set their gene seed on its own unique path. Yeah. Um, well, it's hard to know exactly what it was at the beginning if you have no idea where they come from. Sure. So, but yeah, Unless I've... they have always been. i know this is going to come up later so just keep that in mind they look interesting the caradons are an insular and taciturn bunch and this only becomes more pronounced when they are amongst other space marines if a carcharodon were to lose his grip on sanity these traits would likely amplify with unpleasant results when the chapter's genetic curse manifests itself in an effective battle brother it becomes it comes on in three stages. Cool. Before we get to those st- three stages, let's unpack this a little bit too. Um, we had genetic curse in quotations. Like we're going to talk about like more personality, cultural traits, like stuff that isn't genetic. But people like to mis confuse these things. Like I don't think they're angry and grumpy because they have the genes. I think that's just their A culture. culture. Yeah, something right. that is like. <clears throat> Cultivated into cultivated, yeah, exactly like a cult, yeah. Um, this is from Fantasy Flight Games. These three, uh, (laughs) different (laughs) cultivated, I just made that connection. (laughs) These are from the Death Watch Fantasy Flight Games book, which is a good source, but uh, like, yeah, do we think that every single caracaradon like has to suffer from this because of genetics, right? Yeah, not necessarily, yeah, but carry on. All right, <clears throat> stage one, coldly formal. The battle brother withdraws even more from the company of his colleagues, taking refuge in a chill and formal demeanor. In addition, the battle brother tends to speak almost entirely in high Gothic when addressing a non carcaridon although they can, grudgingly, speak in low Gothic if need be. <laughs> I just, I imagine, like, they're talking with some official and they're speaking in high gothic and the guy's like yeah i don't i don't speak high goth please and the carcaridon's just bulldozing right through <laughs> refuses to change he's like sharing tactics and what his plan is and nope nope <laughs> and then in low gothic just like points like we kill <laughs> but ha- like lays out this massive battle plan yeah, yeah. like high gothic yeah that's interesting too that yeah they're quiet and reserved typically how sharks are <laughs> Emotionally. What? When was the last time you had dinner with a shark that you were able to say, oh, wow, you were so quiet Quiet. and reserved tonight? So coldly formal. I don't know. Will you please speak in a language I can understand, shark boy? Please. I didn't go to your fancy shark colleges. (laughs) I don't speak shark. Shark Latin. (laughs) All right. Stage two. Merciless. The Battle Brother does not tolerate any enemy, whether Xenos, heretic, or even fellow humans who may have been misled into rebellion against the Imperium's rightful rule. The Battle Brother grimly executes any opponent he encounters, even if they have surrendered, possess valuable intelligence, or are not frontline combatants. 
Not just the men, but the women and the children. <laughs> the women, but the women and the children. <laughs> Stage three, silent is the depths. The battle brother withdraws almost entirely from interacting with others. He will not lead squads and will almost always carry out missions on his own. We call that the lone shark syndrome. <laughs> Son of a <laughs> Did it again. This is Space Wolves all over again. Because <laughs> so, these don't sound cultural. So is this cultural or is this some sort of a, a curse? Is this a, a gray area for our gray sc- uh, skin friends here? Or? Yeah, yeah, like there could be something that like... Because to me, it's like... I. It's interesting that this came from fantasy fight games because yeah. it was the thing that jumped out to me the most because I was like, oh, this is so great for RP. Because yeah. you yeah. know me, I'm all about role play. Right. And uh, to be able to kind of have these different levels of kind of losing yourself and uh, having that be tied to your gene seat is interesting to yeah, me. Like but the... I don't know if, from your guys' perspective how that fits with the, the larger overall lore. Yeah, so, like, the way the game mechanics in that work is, like, you have insanity points. So whenever you see a Demon Prince, you gain five insanity points. And then when you have 30, you get to stage one. So you activate that. So it's really more of, like... But I guess the the game the, itself, yeah. like, you don't have a choice. If you are a Carcharodon, yeah. you are forced yeah. to follow this. And I guess that's where, like, the idea of it's a genetic trait. Yeah. Right. Because but, you had no control over so it at all. So can we think about it as almost like a psychological predisposition? So, like, even yeah. though you have the potential for schizophrenia in your family, you know, like, well, certain th- events might trigger an onset. So like, the, like I, I think the main idea is that not every Carcharodon is going to experience this. Right, but and not everyone Carcharodon... who has a history of, say, mental illness will necessarily have that mental illness. But it's a predisposition, yeah. so it means like they're more likely to follow this kind of pattern if they say acquire well, when, what if you, when certain you see experiences. Someone, what if every time you see someone that is suffering from insanity, this is what they look like? You don't know of any other way to deal with your insanity other than speaking high gothic and refusing to speak with other people. Or you say, like, the only thing I know how is because the only thing I see is people just kill yeah. everything. Yeah, like, they don't take prisoners. They're not given, like, social skill classes right. you know, when they join. The All they know is what they see exactly. and they, like, experience. So I, I don't know. The idea of like nature versus nurture. Yeah, I'm not a nature nurtureologist, you know. But I think there's. Well, that's obvious... why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> good Let thing me tell Peter, you. Good thing you brought your PhD. That's right. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a combination sure. of both. But I think too many people get stuck on this idea of if I am a Carcharodon, it I means I be... am coldly formal, yeah. or right. I am silent as the depths, and it doesn't have to be that yeah. way but you can't maybe, there is hope maybe it changed. <laughs> maybe if we like when we said that you know it's not genetic maybe that was a little too strongly worded. Uh, well I, that's not a, only it's, genetic it's I not would. only genetic yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah. and I, like like i said i tend towards also the cultural side too like i don't like to yeah. think that all space marines follow very strict there's there's obvious genetic markers like hair color and eye color and Things like that that will that vary. Especially when things change in you, physical yeah. appearance yeah, changes. Like if, when we implant genes, if you in were your body, recruited right. as a redhead and then suddenly your skin gets yeah. pal- like pale and your eyes turn black and your hair changes color, right? Like Sweet. those are obviously genetic changes. Good luck, good luck for Eric. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Should work Am on I that. Also, going to have filed shark teeth. <laughs> yeah, great look. How That's did they not you. include that? And in, like your teeth become filed to points. Maybe it's like a and right of fallout. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then more. Yeah. It's a weird gene seed mutation. 
It you could. tell that to all the Wolf Brothers, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, it not it's not only genetic. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's what we should say. It's not only genetic, and you can be a Carcharodon without these things. Yeah. You can be a very happy Carcharodon. <laughs> well adjusted. Absolutely not. Scholar. <laughs> space marine. Okay. All space marines are psychologically damaged. Just that's right. By virtue of being a space marine. <laughs> that hypno indoctrination has a cost. All right. Well. Drug indoctrination. <laughs> so knowing all of this, many scholars say that the shark's gene seed comes from the Raven Guard, the chief evidence sharing similar appearance as the Raven Guard, mostly the pale skin and is a sign of a failing melochromic organ, which... I think that just speaks right back to the fact that the physical representation is way more important than your, yeah. like, your... Temperament. Demeanor. Temperament, yeah. 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 Like... Hey, there's other chapters that might fall like better with this, like silent as the depths or whatever. Yeah. But we don't care about that because we look at the physical aspect of the gene seed, and that's what they're tying to the Raven Guard. Yeah. Although the Raven Guard are not. I know that maybe that wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying, but not a great example for it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Raven Guard also have pale skin, so mm-hmm. yeah. So they must be the same. Both personal. They must be. Yeah. 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 Must be. Of course. That's um, how that's how genet- genetics work, right? <laughs> <Genetics>. Nurture nature. <laughs> um, but not all are happy with this explanation, and some even whisper that their gene stock may have come from a Raven Guard slash Night Lords hybrid. But we will dive into that during our Tales of the Warp at the end. Yeah. Yeah, pretty neat. All right, uh, up next, let's talk about what the chapter believes. Solitary contemplation offers the best opportunity for revelation. Uh, and this is the Shade Lord, Arcus Fall, which a Shade Lord's the chapter master, so. So just. Of the Carcharodons. Of the Carcharodons, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's odd because that has nothing to do with sharks. We shall swim in the shade. <laughs> isn't that a Lord. Lord. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a thing? Isn't that from one of those movies? Probably. I don't know, I don't know all movies. <laughs> exactly. A Shade Lord just sounds like a lesser meme lord. <laughs> you just throw shade yeah. I am lord of the shade Your mama's so fat Oh shade lord Eric No spare me <laughs> Your barbed tongue Your mother was a hamster So despite their long isolation From the Imperium The chapter and its battle brothers Seem deeply and almost incredibly loyal most of the Carcharodons encountered have shown reverence towards the Imperial Creed and places of Imperial worship. Uh, many also make a habit of carrying around devotional items such as prayer scrolls and their on their war gear. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that they like kind of they recognize that they avoid places of worship. Kind of when we're torching your planet, we'll leave yeah, the church alone. You know, it's it only goes so far. <laughs> We'll, we'll light the fire a block away from your church. If it catches on fire, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, you let your church catch on fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was your fault. Exactly. <laughs> uh, do they worship the emperor as god? Yeah, so it's to the Carcharodons, the emperor is called, like, uh, Rangu, the Void Father, sire of the Forgotten One. Uh, and his vigilance was eternal, a beacon in the night, and the bane of encroaching shadows is kind of how they see it. So they've definitely twisted the Imperial Creed. Yeah, and made their own cult where, like, yes. you know, only the light of the Astronomicon and Regu will pull them out of the depths and sh- 
you know. Right. It's it's quite different though. Yeah. yeah. Not a like a lot of the chapters we have experienced up to this point, mm. they either like, hey, I follow the creed or I view him as a god. But I either follow, like, the Ecclesiarchy's doctrine or the Imperial Creed. It yeah, seems yeah, to be yeah. one or the other. Yeah. But this seems very separate from both. Yeah, very their own. Uh, their chapter had left humanity for the emptiness of the outer dark when he had still waked, walked among mortals, and they would not return until he did so once again. So is this he referring to the Forgotten One or to Rangu? To the Forgotten One, okay. yeah. Yeah. Only with the coming of the Forgotten One could the Edicts of Exile be overturned. The chapter's eternal crusade in the darkness be brought to an end. So basically, yeah, uh, the Forgotten One, we don't know quite who it is. It could be their Primarch, potentially. More proof, it could be Raven Guards. Um, When the Forgotten Ones return, they come back and it's kind of, you know, the whole end times. They can then return from their exile, their self-imposed kind of just... It's a weird exile because they're not really... Yeah, no one exiled Yeah, them. like, they live in the void, but, I don't know, no one exiled them. They exiled themselves. Yeah. For something that we don't even know about. Yeah. Because <laughs> they wanted to be sharks. <laughs> that was their crime! <laughs> oh, no! It makes sense! We've come to the discovery. Okay. Well... They, they were manipulating their own bodies to mm-hmm. be more like sharks. That was their abomination <laughs> against the gene seed. hmm Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> The Carcharodon Astra are a faithful brotherhood, even by the standards of Adeptus Astartes. Their creed is an old one, older than the superstitions and misbeliefs of the current imperial cult. Theirs is not some blind faith based on how uh, on hollow praise and lavish denotions. Their memories of the emperor are of a living, breathing titan, and terror is far more to them than some distant hub of the galaxy-spanning bureaucracy. Uh, their connection to it is ancient and primal. It has sustained their loyalty and their determination for 10,000 years amidst the loneliness of the outer dark. When they had first been banished, none had expected them to survive, let alone remain united as a chapter. But they did survive. Uh, Their desperate heritage bound by their faith um, in him on the old earth. None could shake that. Yeah. I guess when they were banished, they just could always see the light maybe, and they're just like, the Emperor's real. I think like... (laughs) trying to live outside of this galactic plane it must offer some different kind of perspective but it Mm. also kind of keeps them separate when like i don't know i feel like when you are separate you have like a chance to either not change at all because there's no one offering outside influences Mm. no new ideas coming in or you have the opportunity to just go nuts. With <laughs> and really and, get creative. And Eric falls in the second. Game. I definitely go nuts if no one's there tapping me, being like, hey, hey, <laughs> stop being an idiot. <laughs> but it sounds like these guys have really like stuck to their guns. Yeah. And they're like, this is who we were in the beginning, and this is who we are now. Yeah. The sharks are cold and calculating, and allies that encounter them describe them as being short or standoffish, standoffish really choosing to speak to other uh Others, especially in battle, like even if they did speak, they're speaking high gothic. Exactly, they just yeah, you can't even understand. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, they seem uh, to see the universe in very much black and white terms: enemy and ally. Anyone who stands against the Imperium for whatever reason can only expect a brutal demise at the hands of the Carcharodons. Enemy or ally? Hmm. Nothing else. That's how yeah. I like to see the world, too. And even Ally. like <laughs> It's very black and white, yeah, and they don't really care. Even Ally, it's like, well... Yeah. 
They very much expendable. Seem, <laughs> they very much seem like a greater good type deal. Like it doesn't really matter what I yeah. do as long as the end goal is correct. Yeah, as long as I be killing. That's right. As mm-hmm. long as for I'm the emperor, of blood. course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything else we want to share about chapter beliefs? Um, no, I think we're good. I have a quick question. Yeah. Do you guys dive into the, the aesthetics later on? Yep. At all? Okay, yep. I'll, I'll save my opinions for them then. Perfect. I don't want to um, hear them anyway. Do you, you want to hear an opinion? Mr. Mumbler? No, yes, go we on. We get hundreds, Christian, of messages of you fucking mumbling, so... Why don't you just turn up my mic, then? Fuck. Why is this on me? I can't. <laughs> yeah! Eric! Because even when he's regular talking, he's peaking, so... <laughs> it's, I don't win either way on this one. Life is tough. It is tough. Well, it's almost to... like Christian has his own podcast. Hmm. Do you ever No hear? one's complained, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, fun fact. Because we control our audio. So mm. Wow. Mm. And I'll, we'll never change. I'll continue to mumble. Into <laughs> oh, my love <laughs> these days. Thank God I'll this is it. your I'll last episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Um, check out this ad from Scared to Sleep, and we will be right back. Hello, and welcome to scare you to sleep. Have you ever felt like you needed something a little darker than whale noises or counting sheep to unwind at the end of the day? Maybe you've realized horror itself can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Every week I bring to you a myriad of bone-chilling tales From 19th century dusty tomes, to modern up-and-coming authors, to truer spooky tales like Reddit mysteries and time slips, all accompanied by a gentle voice and ambient music and sounds so that you feel immersed and lost in your own personal horror story. You can find Scare You to Sleep exclusively on Spotify. So, grab some earbuds, a cozy corner, and join me, Shelby Scott, every Thursday, and let's get unsettled together. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. All right, welcome back. And now I think we are going to talk about the combat doctrine. Yeah. Of the... Chucky boys. Oh, right. We're doing Carcaridons. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> Tactically, the Carcaridons operate almost exclusively as a rapid strike force, disdaining any kind of protracted engagement whenever possible, preferring to approach their targets either with extreme speed or by stealth, which allow them to strike with the element of surprise on their side whenever possible. What, uh, what hunting strategy is that? What animals? Ants. <laughs> <laughs> known that would be really. terrifying. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> they come no, out of nowhere and just like kind of drag you underground. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's a cool necromun- necromunity animal, though. Ooh, yeah, the hive. If you step on them, they'll just <laughs> pull you into the ground. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's not ants. It's lemurs. <laughs> um, those few... <laughs> We're just going to let that. <laughs> Those few who observe a Carcharodon assault and live would be forgiven for assuming that they are mindless berserkers, unconcerned with tactics or planning. In fact, the Carcharodons rely on a series of tactics that at their heart are both simple and reliable. 
Though the Carcharodons seem both competent and familiar with armored vehicles, the core of their tactics rely on large detachments of mobile Space Marine heavy infantry. In this way, the Carcharodons make use of the bloody prowess of their combat brethren to carry the day in battle. Yeah, and you see that, like, so often. You never see a Carcharodon model without some kind of chain weapon on a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's they're always ready for combat. Yeah. Um, they often endeavor to be the initiator of combat actions and prefer not to fight on the defensive, either attacking with point-blank weapons fire or in melee when they have broken through the enemy line. And that kind of just goes back to their whole, like, lightning strike either with speed or stealth. They always want to be the aggressor and everything. Yeah. Tactical operations often begin with a battle company using its integrated scout marine forces and other reconnaissance units, such as land speeder and bike squads, to probe enemy positions and identify weak points and any target with strategic value. Once identified, the main Carcharodon's force hit these points with overwhelming attacks, issuing preparatory bombardments or armored spearheads in favor of complete and overwhelming surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I like that there's, like, the distinction between, yeah, like, it might be more normal to just bombard your... Well, you want to soften them up. Yeah, exactly. And then you go for the killing blow. Make them keep their heads down. But just like sharks. Have you ever seen a shark artillery strike? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen Sharknado. (laughs) That is true. They do utilize tornadoes as weapons. Sharks with freaking lasers. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Depending on the success of these assaults, the Carcharodons usually follow two responses. If the targeted positions prove well defended, the Carcharodons withdraw. These withdrawals happen almost as quickly as the prior assault, and the Carcharodons fade from the battlefield like ghosts. I don't know if you guys have you ever watched sharks that hunt. <laughs> um, what kind of shark? Lots of sharks. Okay. But great white sharks. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, almost all the attacks that a shark does prior to before its kill are like, sussing out what's happening they are probing yeah they're probing exactly they might even bite you and like nibble and they're just trying to see what you are how like do you react to it are you going to fight back but they're not like attempting to sink their teeth in it's only after they've tested the defense and the carcarodons i would liken this to the fact that they send their initial probe in yeah they test it they find this is a weak spot and then Boom. That's when the Carcharodon army shows up. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was just a bike. Where did these guys come from? It was one bike, but now there are many. <laughs> yeah. There's something incredibly cool that the Carcharodons have that allow them to just bloop, show up. We'll talk later. Ooh. Uh, they patiently, so, uh, and their withdrawal. If they find out that their target is not soft or it's, you know, all of a sudden, oh, why is all the enemy focused right here where I am? This would not be a good time. They don't even bother with it. They just leave. <laughs> and they yeah. leave just as fast as they engage. Yeah. Um, and so if they leave, they patiently reevaluate the strength of the enemy positions, then launch another lightning assault at a different point they perceive to be weak. And I think that's really neat. Yeah. I love the idea of them just like probe, 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 probe all over. Like you have no idea where the main force is. And then that one point where you just weren't paying attention and just now they're there. That's yeah. how I like to fight people. I poke them, <laughs> find the softest part of their body, and then I just punch you. <laughs> Don't even see it coming. Oh, it's... yeah, this eyeball is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they learned. He's wearing goggles. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're definitely not, like, mindless berserkers, as you can tell. No, right? but Like, mindless are, berserkers wouldn't savage. care. They're just like, yeah. Yeah. enemy is here. I'm going to go headlong. Exactly. I don't care if it's a hard target, soft target. Yeah. 
Doesn't yeah. matter. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna either push through or we're gonna like die on the and wall. The, the it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas these guys are like, no, no, no. There's a time to strike. Yeah. They are like the Minotaurs. Hunters. They 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 do the push through. They get all their yeah, guys yeah, and yeah. they just yeah. go. We don't care how hard you are. This. We're gonna push through no yeah. matter. Exactly. What. Yeah. 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 Whereas these ones, just as savage, even if if not more so. Yeah. But instead of trying to push through, they'll find a weak so- a soft spot. Yeah. 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 Or well, they'll withdraw. Or which I think is really interesting. Yeah. It's not like there's no dishonor. Nope. This isn't it. Everybody out. Yeah, they they don't feel honor bound to like. No, we must do it like right yeah. now. Like maybe we'll do it in two days from now. Maybe we'll do it five minutes from now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it soft now? Nope. <laughs> Is it soft now? Nope. <laughs> now? Yes. Go go. <laughs> uh, eventually, one of these assaults succeeds, and then the Carcharodons press the attack to the hilt. Once they commit fully, they dig deep into the enemy's vitals, endeavoring to do as much damage as possible as quickly as possible. Like, say, destroy a reactor core. <laughs> of your city. Of your entire hive city. Um, at this point, the full fury of the Carcharodons is all too apparent, and little survives this stage of the assault. Mm-hmm. Ugh. They just get in there and they chew you apart. And now they just unleash all yeah. their savageness that has just been waiting hiding beneath oh, the just surface. just imagine like the little, they do the little test and they're like, okay, that wasn't it, but the next one, oh, that wasn't it. And yeah. then they finally get the, this is it. And that's when they bite yeah, the whole just, fucking, like, God, all the energy. <laughs> they just chomp down on you and they just put their teeth into you. Go, that's where $2 on Patreon to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> do that, that motion. It's both very sexual and frightening. I'm that's terrified and aroused. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can also see on Patreon. No, only fans. That's right. Eric probes for a weak spot. <laughs> Eric finds the weak spot. <laughs> Full attack. You just bite. <laughs> and you bite. Anyways. I like it. Um, <clears throat> back to Space Sharks. <laughs> When undergoing boarding operations during ship-to-ship void battles, the Carcharodons are known to employ an ancient and crude but unique weapon known as Ursus Claws. Um, not Shark Claws, but whatever. Bear Claws? Yeah. I, mean, it I kinda... feel like we could have gone with like Shark's Bite or Shark yeah. Mouth or something. Yeah, just Jaws? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Jaws. Hey, yeah! <laughs> have you heard of the Jaws of Life? Well, these are the Jaws of Death. Yeah, <laughs> these are the Jaws of Angels of Death. <laughs> Uh, the are large barbed lances that are the size of smaller escort ships in their own right. Fashioned like massive harpoons, these lances puncture through an enemy vessel's hull. And once impaled, the immense spears become active, locking to their prey's ravaged insides with magnetic strength. So it's just harpooning. <laughs> Scaled. <laughs> Up. <laughs> yeah. So let's to go space. back. It's a space scale. Yeah. Let's go back to them fighting the orcs in that battle where they're the flying around. Ships? Yeah, and they're harpooning orc <laughs> ships and pulling them close. And the orcs are climbing across the chains now because they're like, oh yeah, yeah. like they're, they're yeah, climbing like, through space yeah. to get to the exactly. fight. Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. That's so cool. beautiful. Yeah. I do like that the uh, the Ursus claws aren't unique to them. Like, they've been a weapon that's been around. Like, the world leaders used to use them during the Horse mm-hmm. Heresy. And I'm sure the other chapters do, too. So I like that they're repurposing, like, this weapon that, like, appears here and there. And they've made it, like, a, a thing. They don't invent something new. So, to be fair. Yeah. Even though they're Ursus Claws. Oh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They did exist before. Right. But they're you can not, call them whatever you own. want, though. Sure, yeah, I guess. 
They called it a Captain Master If you want to be a space wolf about it. Hey, rune priests are not psychers, okay? They're totally different. They don't even look the same. Corporate wants you to find the difference between these two pictures. It's the same picture. Anyways, glad no one here likes space wolves. Uh, With malicious slowness, the Carcharodon vessels can then recall their spears as the lancets ratchet back towards the vessel that fired them, dragging them home on massive chains. Once the doomed vessel is within reach of the Carcharodons, they then disgorge their Astartes into the bowels of the impaled enemy ship, and the blooding begins in earnest. Yeah. That's nice. Whew. Uh... When Mark was sharing this with me when we were doing our episode, I just had this, I like, the image in my head of a Carcharodon's fleet and an enemy fleet, and they are thousands of <laughs> kilometers apart. You know how void where right void where in space, tends to you be. know where yeah. you are thousands yeah. of kilometers <laughs> or apart, yeah. and then out of nowhere, just this spear <laughs> comes flying on a from chain. The, on a chain, yes, comes flying. Where, where from coiling I got I got an image for the chain. Okay. <laughs> and this it pierces some ship. Let's say it's a good target. Whatever. It gets it. And then some guy back on the Carcaradon ship is like, Yeah, we got it. We got it. And then he just cracks his whip and now thousands of slaves. Must slowly Ooh. spindle this chain across <laughs> thousands of kilometers <laughs> while this ship is like putting its thrusters <laughs> to like get away. fight this chain, and the guy's like, "No, no, no. more, <laughs> more power, reel it in faster." I just that's forty k. I get nice. It doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense in like a long warfare, but that was maybe it's more of a closer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I got a hilarious. But still, like, what's what's the record for the farthest <laughs> yeah. shot? You know? yeah, how yeah. long's are these? Chains? Two light years. <laughs> that's how you long. could hit the moon from Earth. <laughs> the, it's, they're still shooting one, and they're adding chains onto it. <laughs> we need more length. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. So Ursus Claus. <clears throat> okay. Whew. Only a few intelligible accounts of the Carcharodons exist that tell of the chapter's very disciplined order of deployment and battle. Despite the evidence from casual observers that they are a barbarous and savage chapter in nature. I, I kind of get that. If you weren't part of like their planning yeah exactly all you would see is just a lightning attack horde that does as maximum damage as possible and i love when they describe like once they're in they push to the vital and they are going to get this vital spot because they've done their reconnaissance they knew this was the weak point yeah and they're so fast that they're going to get there before anyone can mobilize (laughs) yeah And, and i get it to me that would just look horrifying yeah because you wouldn't see those scouts no you wouldn't see the probes you wouldn't be a part of that right yeah yeah very cool uh and there is one other interesting and somewhat disturbing detail about the carcaridon's assaults their battles are conducted in complete silence any commands from the chapter's leaders are transmitted over a locked and encrypted voxnet and the battle brothers abstain from issuing any word or sound to friend or foe to see such carnage enacted without a word or cry is chilling, to say the least. 
all you have to do is watch Astartes to get that feeling. Yeah. The idea of just like silent warriors just, just doing their dismantling job. Dismantling people in front of them. Yeah. yeah. I also contrast this with someone like the Black Templars. Shame you didn't bring them up, Eric, in this episode, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now you can't. Yeah. Um but like how like that, right? verbose they are and like when they're like, you know, issuing challenges to the enemy and even like bad screaming like prayers to the emperor yeah like they're very and which is equal it's terrifying in its own way too right but these guys are the exact opposite where it's just like silent death yeah i mean i guess it kind of makes sense i don't think sharks make a lot of noise i was gonna make that comparison too not super chatty yeah at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You meet that one shark. His name is Gary. And he's <laughs> just Gary. You know that. <laughs> Gary, shut up. <laughs> Stop yelling. Um, yeah. I, I like the idea of the silent. It definitely fits in the whole predatory like theme that they got going on. Yeah. Whew. And that's it for um, Combat Doctrine. That was a lot. Yeah. They're brutal. They're quiet. They're smart. Tactical. Yeah. If you were just looking at them, you might just assume they were barbarous or savage, but people who know understand that might not be the truth mm-hmm. and they are actually intelligent creatures huh. beautiful misunderstood <laughs> they're people <sharks>. too <laughs> <laughs> all right uh next we have organization uh although anecdotal evidence indicates that carcaridons roughly conform to the tactical and squad doctrines of the codex astartes uh This does not carry over to its command structure and company arrangements. Instead, the Carcharodons seem to split their chapter into a number of battle companies designed to operate independently. Each has an augmented auxiliary force of scout marines for reconnaissance and evaluation of the enemy, and a dedicated spearhead of Terminator veterans who serve as the company captain's bodyguard. Now, I don't think we've mentioned yet, which is surprising, but they are a fleet-based chapter, right? Yep, they are. Okay. And I like how that kind of causes their company um, organization to change. It makes complete sense to me that if you want to operate independently, you kind of need to be able to fill all the roles. In the same way that the Black Templar <laughs> you son of, you did it. <laughs> son of have their Crusader squads, yeah, right? Yeah. Where they don't have their 10th company full of scouts. Yeah, yeah. Instead, you yeah. know, they... They distribute them. them yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it seems like that's the same way that the Carcharodons yeah. would do it, is that they don't necessarily have an entire company dedicated to the scouts in the same way they don't have a, a company dedicated to veterans. Yeah. They spread them out along the entire chapter. Yeah. Um, and it also even just ties in, like, it shows how they can use their scouts just so good. Like, their scouts are training besides the tactical marines that they're sending in to do battle, as opposed to just being sent in. Tenth Company has sent scouts to this war zone without even fighting beside any of them, knowing right. any of them. Yeah. yeah, it's just further integration, so. Yeah, I, I honestly like this kind of layout better. All yeah. my custom chapters yeah. always, I end up I mean, that's Malleus. the Lever Malleus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they function the same way. They don't have that 10th uh, scout company. And... Yeah. 
Well, it seems likely the Carcharodons eschew reserve companies entirely. However, these last two cadres may have been held in reserve for the chapter's fleet, a not uncommon practice for fleet-based chapters who spend large periods in isolation. Hmm. Uh, They've been observed to make use of chaplains and librarians with little deviation from their chapter roles in other chapters. However, apothecaries and tech marines seldom appear outside of the Carcharodon's nomad fleet. It's very likely that Carcharodons recognize the vital role these space marines play in preserving and maintaining their chapter's very existence, uh, and so they just keep them on hand whenever possible. Yeah. The idea of the tech marine and apothecary, I love. I love mm-hmm. the fact that they're kind of kept separate mm-hmm. and like... Yeah, we don't have a fortress monastery where everything is like super well guarded and stuff and where like you have a bastion, but ne- like we recognize that it's really important that our tech marines are kept safe mm-hmm. and that they are available for repairs and like crafting or whatever. Yeah. Because losing one of those in a fleet base just seems like it would have such a larger effect. Yeah. Now you got to go get a new one trained. You got to go to Mars. No, thank you. Yeah. And same with apothecary. Like, yeah. man, that just sounds crazy. 13 years of medical schooling. Oh, <laughs> wasted. <laughs> the Carcharodon's order of battle contains several officer positions not present in other Space Marine chapters, though they largely resemble the standard Codex ranks. So we've already mentioned Shade Lord. Uh, so the title Shade Lord is now used instead of Chapter Master by the commander of the Carcharodons. This title was only known to have been previously used by the exiled Raven Guard commander and former Legion Master Arcus Fall during the Great Crusade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one more notch in the Raven Guard gene seed heritage yeah. argument. <laughs> Uh, they also have uh, company masters, so Kirkaridin captains uh, are called company masters instead. They have uh, Reaper Prime, so a, a Reaper Prime is an additional title given to a company master. Beyond the captaincy of their own company, it is their job to ensure the chapter is constantly supplied with fresh aspirants, normally achieved during the Red Tithes, which we've mentioned a couple times, when the chapter's uh, Edicts of Exile permitted it to descend on an imperial world to harvest the population for chapter serfs and potential aspirants. Okay. Master of Recruits. Is his polite name? <laughs> no, I'm the Reaper Prime, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Sir, your title is Master of the Crew, just so, like every other Astartes <laughs> chapter. I'm the Reaper. <laughs> the Shade Lord said I could be. <laughs> this uh, goth theme seems to be very Raven Guard too. Uh, there's also the Harvester Prime. Uh, So this is an additional title that's also given to a company master. Uh, It's their duty to seek out uh, archaeotech and lost technology on the isolated worlds that lie in the outer dark. This acquisition of technology is achieved during a so-called Grey Tithe and traded to the tech priests of Mars for Astari's arms and equipment per the chapter's ancient pact with the Adeptus Mechanicus. Very cool. It's very interesting, yeah, that they're actually <clears throat> recruiting, well, collecting objects that they're willing to trade with 
mm-hmm. the mechanic is like and they have their own deal going right like, yeah not all it's, chapters have that yeah, yeah. Th- there's no mention that they have like ties to a forge world or like a mechanicus bastion yeah. that they can you know claim supplies from and you know they don't like hurry to protect them or whatever so i like the fact that they have this kind of special way that like obviously they're getting arms somehow and a lot of their arms seem to be unique in very design unique too. old so yeah. they they have to have some kind of tie to the mechanicus and i like the way they did it it's just like an agreement that we will collect you know archaeotech and old things for you and in return you will grace us with weapons of war you know what this nice. reminds me of what jawas <laughs> searching the s- sailing the sands of Tatooine for archaeotech <laughs> taking the gray tie that's why no one understands their speech uh, <laughs> speaking high gothic yeah that's they're what high gothic sounds like right. anyone wandered that's high gothic their robes cover that they're sharks I, <laughs> right. I get it their red eyes peering <laughs> from the, the black darkness. void I get it Jawas Jaws <laughs> it all makes sense oh my god oh infinity brain <laughs> alright Red Brethren, uh, these Terminator armored elite are the veteran warriors of the chapter. All Red Brethren habitually remain armed and armored at all times. The Terminator battle plate they wear is heavily inscribed with red exile markings and often hung with the yellowing predator incisors that are collected by some Carcharodons. Utterly loyal to the incumbent Shade Master, they are deployed on the most vital missions usually tithings, to ensure that the overriding objectives are met and the chapter's needs satisfied. The Red Brethren also, however, fall under the command of the company master they are assigned to and are bound to follow his orders, provided they do not directly contradict the mission assigned by the chapter. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, And there's probably like a hundred of these guys in the chapter, maybe. Like uh, ten for every company. The they explanation, not... though, like their ties to the Mechanica means they might have more Terminator armor, Yeah, well, they too. do even talk yeah. about it. They they can draw a lot of Terminators, <clears throat> but I don't think they have a full complement. But... Sure. I mean, no hard numbers, but as is 40K's tradition. Yeah, but... <laughs> a lot, a lot. Cool. When they do do hard numbers, it's always a mistake. <laughs> yeah. the, the Red Brethren, if you got like the World Bit Butcher, World Eater, Terminator guys. Yeah. Uh, they would make great bases for them. Yeah, they would be sweet. Like uh, they got these like weird like power fist chain hands, and um, I, f- I don't. They have like the jagged maw theme. Yeah, I think they're called red butchers. Yeah. Terminator. Furious typing. Yeah. Yeah. Furious <laughs> typing. Who's gonna win? I got it up here. It's on the old. It's on the screen. Here we go. Okay. Beautiful. Um. Yeah, like I that's mean, a good example of it with their fist hands and like oh, shark mouth. Yeah, and, and especially because they're world leaders, they'll have a lot of chain like yeah. motifs running through them. Yeah, and they got some cool powers or power axes or chain axes. I mean, too. But yeah. Oh, here we go. Here's the best one of them. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, the red butchers. You just click and click until there we go, and then you click and then. Well, maybe we should talk. About... <laughs> All right. Uh, continuing on, uh, their version of assault marines. <laughs> are called Devourers. Uh, they also have Strike Leaders, which is their sergeant equivalent, and Void Brother, which is just a standard battle brother. Yeah. It just, it feels like they're, I really like the shark theme, but every once in a while, they just seem to abandon it completely <laughs> and go into, like, the Void theme. Yeah, it's kind of like they have the, they have their yellowing predator incisors, that they, but that's just, like, 
any teeth that they're decorated yeah. with? Yeah. Are they, like, like are they're not just, specific sharks? Or yeah, anything? no, yeah. it's not. And yeah. they're hardly the first chapter to put teeth on their right. armor. It's just, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's what they're calling them. Uh, then we can go on to, as previously mentioned, what few Imperial records exist about the Carcharodon suggest they are entirely fleet-based. Fleet based. Fleet blazed. <laughs> Fleet blazed. <laughs> which in turn would suggest they have fundamental differences from most more conventional space marine chapters. And the Carcharodons follow the rarer or so called nomad predation pattern. And this is used exclusively by chapters operating for long durations beyond the Imperium's borders, acting as self contained forces which function without recourse to the Imperium for support at all. I like that there's a name for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it totally makes sense that these guys who are kind of existing outside of the galactic plane, like they have to be able to function independently. Yeah. So they have to be able to like, hey, look, we've got the Grey Tithe and we're around this Forge world and, you know, they'll honor our agreement with the Mechanicum because we can't go back to a Forge world yeah. that we knew. So yeah. Yeah. I like that. They're part of the Nomad Predation pattern. Who else follows that? Uh, they did mention I forget where because it, oh, it was a okay. pretty typical like uh, horse heresy great crusade well great crusade type thing. interesting yeah. uh, so these types of fleets voyage without end pausing only to attack targets that are within their means to destroy without threatening their own viability as an effective spaceborne fighting force the majority of the fleet has been in service since the first day of exile. That's sweet. So that's one nice thing. Like they're a crusade fleet, but they're not like they're not going out there to commit suicide. Like because that's what the Black Templar would do. Exactly. They're like, on the same crusade that they're fighting, and like they smash themselves against it. They lose a bunch of guys. They rebuild. They go do the same thing over yeah, again. Yeah. Whereas these guys, they sound very much more like they're picking their targets. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why they're in exile. Yeah, we don't even know. That is. That's <laughs> well, suicide isn't one of the reasons. So that's <laughs> Another one of those differences has to do with chapter war gear and materials. So being fleet-based, the chapter will often lack new supplies, but being an ancient chapter gives them access to war gear from a time long lost. Mm-hmm. And, and they also like do lots of like with, with their tech priests. That's why they need them so much. They need to be able to fix all their stuff. Uh, they do tons of looting as well, mm-hmm. like uh, like entire other chapter armories <laughs> yeah. and planets. They, they do keep it to space marines that they loot, but uh, yeah, they're yeah. like shark it, pirates. Yeah, really, they're shark shark I, space pirates. Yeah. <laughs> another theme is another theme brewing. They are far more likely to carry weapons such as the ancient Phobos R-017 Pattern Bolter or the Mark V Heresy Pattern Power Armory, Armor, uh, an unusual contingent of Terminator armor suits, often sporting arms of ancient providence with the few starships observed to be serving the Carcharodons, were wildly different in design and even the era of their construction. Uh, this chapter will perform extensive modifications and repairs, as well as tactical looting, in order to keep their war machine moving. I do tactical looting, too, at Walmart. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> right to jail for right. that one. No, this one was tactical. The... It's allowed. <laughs> I like how like the looting makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, old equipment. Yeah, the fact that their fleet has been around for so long because they're very careful about what targets they pick, that makes sense that their ships are going to be things that you haven't seen in a long time. Um, they got cool and unique war gear because they're trading it with like architects so you know they traded yeah, good stuff that's valuable stuff yeah. that they are collecting i imagine that's they'll find cool stuff that they're like we're just gonna keep this. <laughs> yeah yeah this one <laughs> but not yeah. only that like i think they actively search out that stuff too yeah. they don't just like i'm sure they happen upon a lot of things but i also yeah if you're looking you're more of, likely to find something yeah. yeah they hear a rumor and they're like okay we can go for that target and claim this and then trade it for later so yeah they're very independent yeah all right, up next, we're going to talk about recruitment. Recruitment, the Red Tithe. Being a fleet-based chapter with no homeworld, Uthaka doesn't count, <laughs> the Karsharadon's Reaper Prime have had to get creative with their recruitment methods. After much debate, the Red Tithe was created. The concept is simple. Descend on an Imperial world, unannounced, and take anyone they want. The vast majority of these those taken become slaves or chapter serfs, but rarely the exceptional kidnappy rises to the top and gets to join the ranks of the Astartes. The degree of attrition during the induction process is higher than most other Astartes chapters, but this was the unavoidable legacy of the Kasheridon's unique nature. Cool. Why do we think that it's higher? Um, I mean, if you're taking an entire population, you're probably more likely to find rejects. So, do you think that they're just throwing people that other chapters might not even, even put bother in their ranks? With. Yeah. And, okay. So, another chapter might look at a hundred people and they pick out ten. Yeah. Whereas the Carcharidans are like, "We'll just throw all hundred of you in the meat grinder." Yeah. And we see who comes five out. Billion of yeah. you. So, <laughs> so obviously, the process is going to have a lot more chaff, right? Yeah. Which will that makes sense, be then. discarded. Yeah. Especially when you're like, when you're considering population to recruitment ratios it's super low right like the the number of people that actually like on earth right now there's probably only a handful of people like seven billion people and only like a couple might stand a chance at becoming a space marine maybe well we have four people in this room <laughs> right now definitely i saw yeah. peter I would be a space peter marine. like eyeing me like oh no i'm yeah i was I'm... looking at you guys going like no i feel like i got a good <laughs> shot here. i'm definitely a space marine yeah yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. gonna accept my yeah, place as a chapter, sir. Peel my skin back and put that care base on me. What do you? What? You, you think I haven't felt pain like that before? My body is ready. get real. I broke my finger once. <laughs> Space Marine quality, right there. Oh, I can withstand a lot of hurt. Yeah. Uh, and also the gray tithe they have. Uh, when it kind of comes to this. So the Great Tithe is what the Carcharodons call period of time where they journey to find ancient technologies and archaeotech in order to trade with the Adeptus Mechanicus. Through this par- process of trade, the Carcharodons get new weapons, equipment, maybe recruits even, who knows? Probably not. Not from the Mechanicus, but you never know. <laughs> hey, have the tech priest. We don't want them anymore. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one time... This one Karakaradon, we'll call him Gary. <laughs> Just bes- he hands Gary. he hands over some piece of tech, and the tech priest is like, "Here's your skitari." <laughs> and Gary's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Here's your skitari." Yeah, thank you. And the mechanicus tech priest starts leaving, walking away. <laughs> Gary's like, "What am I going to do with all this skitari?" <laughs> I want to see a little book written about Gary the Karakaradon <laughs> and Gary his, and Skitari. Gary and his unit of skitari. Mm-hmm. So how different is the Red Tithe from what other chapters would do? 
like like very different. So most chapters they have their home world. They might even slightly care about the population Ultramarines, they're, you know, abducting yeah. from. But I and, think it's just the degree. they're very selective. I think a lot of chapters are. Yeah. they like are looking for specific markers Candidates. of aggression, yeah. doing genetic testing for yeah. them. Like whereas it sounds like these guys, they will go to a planet and they will just take everything away from it. I don't know of any other chapter that empties another planet of life. Now yeah. is that. Is that common that they will take the entire population of the world too? Because that they seems called like... it a red tithe, and they said we're taking the tithe, and they emptied Kartak of life. Right. Yeah. So I one say, one example because have... otherwise you would see regularly planets just like. Well, how many times gone. do you think they do need to do the red tithe? Yeah. But is there one chapter? Are they synonymous with worlds? taking an entire population? I don't know. Right? I Was d- this just in it. one example? The they happen to take example the whole population we have of a red tithe is them sure. taking the whole thing. I'm not saying it happens every right. time. That, and that's what I'm saying. But I'm not saying it doesn't that, happen every time. <laughs> it might, it might happen saying, 50% of the time. <laughs> what I am saying is that one time they did do it. <laughs> and that's all we know. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay. it definitely isn't normal, the yeah. idea of, like, emptying a planet of life. Also, any planet. Because, again, typically Astartes work within the bounds. Like, they respect other people's territory. They'll have a... Yeah. A set of recruit, recruiting worlds that they might yeah. a fleet draw based from. chapter. You're way more likely to find them pulling from anywhere. Sure, but I think a lot of the times, even in like they give the people an opportunity or they yeah. announce that they are there. They're for coming for recruits right. and yes. you send know, out bring your best. Forth your people. Right. Yeah. Whereas these guys are here and they'll reinstate you into power, and then they'll take you and, and all your slave. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Kids could just be sleeping in their beds one night and next day, boom, abducted by space marine sharks. <laughs> space sharks. Up next, heraldry. The main color of the Carcharodons is a dark gray armor with both shoulder pads being inset with black. Their circling shark chapter sigil is then painted white over the left black pauldron, the right shoulder pad to mark the squad. That being said, they often seem to have abandoned the Codex Astartes prescribed symbols and insignia that signify rank and assignment in a battle company, preferring to draw their own designs and symbols. Um, and they're very like unique symbols and styles for sure. Mm-hmm. Many of the Carcharodon battle brothers can carry abstract scrimshaw talismans or decorate their armors with intri- intricate and abstract line work. These talismans, etchings, and traceries often depict highly stylized images of fanged maws, death heads, uh, oceanic predators, and the like. This primitive, primitized vision, primitive vision. Yep. Yep. Likely evolved as part of the chapter's unique and impenetrable culture over a millennia of isolation. Um, yeah, so they're, they're talking about, like, all this line work and scrimshaw and stuff. And, uh, Christian, why don't you – you're passionate about these types of things. Tell us where this comes from. This comes from – or often looks like – Have you seen the Disney movie? <laughs> Moana. Moana. <laughs> yeah. They have very – Make <laughs> They're very strong Polynesian themes, like kind of like how the Minotaurs were, like, Spartan. Like, these guys are very Polynesian, yeah. Islander, Pacific Islander. A lot of their armor is, like, decorated with, like, what looks like Polynesian tattoo work. Yeah. But on their armor, which is mm-hmm. really cool. and. Some people, like, we don't have a lot of official artwork of their faces, but I've seen some people who actually paint that on their skin, too, as tattoos, Mm -hmm. which are really cool. And, uh, yeah, it's just a common theme in the chapter. Um, Yeah, they're very recognizable. They're aesthetic. You you will not, like, miss these guys if you ever see them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the odd guys, too, that hang the, you know, tooth necklaces, Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, too. Yeah. So, very cool. 
Another unique visual marker of the Carcharodons is their weaponry. There are no records indicating which Ford World crafts and maintains their weapons, and since there are so many different, uh, and since they're so different from any of the other weapons we have on file, it's a real mystery. Almost all the melee weapons used by the Carcharodons have been modified, and they take on a heavy, menacing look, full of sawtooth blades, capable of rendering as much body damage as possible. Um, yeah, like you just think of like the you think of that weapon with like it's a stick and it has shark teeth on it and like all the weapons look very similar to that like these jagged weapons you bolt on extra metal they don't necessarily look clean or like um unit uniform in their look they really look like savage Mm -hmm. and i feel like each guy maybe not personalizes his own like weapon to the degree of like at the very least, I wouldn't be surprised to see them putting their own tattoos on them. Yeah, or like, I'm going to rewrap this uh, handle shaft with this new type of yeah. cool or I'm gonna space use, shark Or I'm going to use bone as like the handle or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or maybe doing some small mechanical tweaks. I don't yeah. Know. Well, as long as I get it carried away. The, it wouldn't be the first chapter yeah. to do that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's very cool. Their weapons are very cool looking. Yeah. You, I think that's one of the things I really like about this chapter is... There's no mistaking them. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, some chapters you look at, and you really have to, like, look at detail to try and figure out, Mm. okay, what sets this chapter apart from this chapter? But the Carcharodons, they're just... It's kind of a breed on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's what they look like. Um, They really don't talk too much in, in artwork. I really don't see them doing too much weird shark fins on top of heads or anything too crazy like that. Yeah, the know. the nautical theme, it mainly comes through, like, the connection to that uh, Polynesian, like, history. Yeah. As well as, like, their predatory necklaces. Yeah. The... Even their naming conventions. They're, they sound like Polynesian names. Mm, yeah. Uh, Rangu. Kahanu. Yeah. yeah. Rangu. Kahurangi. The emperor is, like, from Rongo, yeah. which is, like... Uh, Maori mythology, like they're definitely yes. culturally very heavy on them, the same way like the Minotaurs were. Yeah, but it's not it for being the space sharks. They're not very shark. <laughs> it's crazy. Like it feels like sometimes they're so sharky, you know. And it's like, oh my god, calm down on the sharkiness. And then other times when you're like, I would but, really like some shark stuff right now. They're like, here's some space. Stuff. I'll give you a bear. Yeah. Ursus, claws. Ursus claws. Here's a forest animal for you. I don't know. It's yeah. I. I think it is consistent. I would judge it more consistent than inconsistent. It's good enough. I but like it. There are a couple of things that I'm reading, and I'm like, it just it feels weird. <laughs> yeah, like the Ursus claws. Like, come on. There's a better word out there for you. <laughs> It's and you've had 10,000 years to think of it, <laughs> and you haven't, and you've stuck with Ursus Claws. Idiot. That's on you, Shade stuff. Lord. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of the summary of the chapter. Like, they're these barbaric tactical warriors, I guess. I don't know. You've heard us describe them many times. I don't need to do it again. Yeah. We're going to talk about characters. Those are cool. I think what's really neat about them is they are, they don't necessarily present themselves to how they truly are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's one kind of neat thing is that if you really want to understand them, you actually have to dive in. If you are an Imperial scholar and you're just getting like people's first-hand accounts of them and then you looked at like, you talked with them or you witnessed them. I think you'd come to two very different conclusions on them. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. They, 
it doesn't seem like they are actively trying to like withhold information yeah but just the nature of the chapter doesn't allow them to reveal themselves fully yeah it's cool too that they're just like they are just completely loyal to and even though they're other Stardust chapter look at them and like, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But like, you can trust them still, I yeah. guess. You know. Yeah, and it. <laughs> I when they first showed up at the Bad Ab War. Yeah. Um, the loyalist and like the traitors, neither were really convinced what side the Carcharodons mm. <laughs> were on. Yeah, and it it almost. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Uh, at, at some point, you know, they convinced the loyalists that, you know, we're with you guys. And then it, it felt like uh, the loyalists were like, okay, you can maybe have this area. Yeah, you like, should go that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go over here and, like, do things. But if you turn on us, you're, like, so far away that it yeah. might not matter. And then they, you know, savagely destroy them. <laughs> and then, like, oh, I, we get you're on our side now, but we don't necessarily like this. So, Yeah. Anyways, I like them. Yep. Um, I I think they're really unique. You can really just make an army of them and make them your own, like absolutely stylized. They they would be sweet. They're not very uniform. Yeah. yeah. I I think it. This is like a perfect example of how to give your own chapter flavor without making them special snowflakes. Sure. Like these guys are cool and they have like unique ways of operating, but are they like? the best at something yeah they don't claim to be yeah exactly they're just they're doing their own thing and other you see a lot of interactions with other people and how other people view and regard them you kind of see how they regard themselves as like the patient hunter and it talks a lot about being exiled and kind of waiting for that to end so i like it i think it's a good example yeah anyways that's it for me um yeah. Let's talk about a couple of the cooler characters or named things in the chapter itself. So uh, I'll go first. Okay. I'll have a pretty short one. Okay. Uh, I picked Te Kahurangi, which is the chief librarian of the Karkaradon Astra. And he is also called the Pale Nomad. And Te Kahurangi is the oldest living member of the chapter. Uh, he is supposedly descended from the wandering ancestors. I even saw one source claiming as many as three generations away. So that's very old if they... Is that in human generations or space marine generations? Space marines have generations. What is the standard space marine generation? <laughs> like your recruitment group, I guess. So anywhere well, from like, two days to 600 years? That's a fair question. I don't know. I'm not a space marineologist. I can't tell you exactly what the generation breakup is all i know is that like it's it feels like it's kind of built into their mythos the story of tei kahurangi like ah he's only three generations removed from the wandering ancestors like he's close who to were the past. there yeah. when the with the forgotten one so it kind of feels more story um information than it does actual like you know facts anyways so he's descended from the wandering ancestors who had gone into space at the request of the forgotten one okay cool and that's kind of all we really know about him but he's old he's old as dirt oh as dirt yeah i mean to like if you were to assume that they existed sometime like pre-m32 and if you were to say like three generations might be you know 80 standard Terran years, like, Teikahurangi might be close to 8,000 years old. Whoa, that seems randy. 
Hey, you <laughs> Tell know Tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. You know, your numbers, I've done the math myself. <laughs> like, the math checks out. The math checks out. I'm just flabbergasted as yeah. all, you know? It's, uh, I mean, I don't think he is that old. <laughs> yeah. But I think you you could make an argument. And there's enough you have to, unknown information to, for you to speculate that he could be that You old. have to work within the limits of the oldest stated. Well, Space oldest Marine. stated known, like... The oldest dated too, like there is like a salamander who lived like ten thousand years or something. Yeah, but so was it, he was possible. like frozen in time. Does yeah. that count? Yeah. I don't know. You know, show me a space marine that dies from old age, and I will be convinced that they can't. No, live but if long. they've stated that, uh, can't believe I forgot his name. Blood Angels. Yeah, Dante. Dante is the oldest chapter or oldest living space marine. Yeah, but but how that's quantified, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying it might be the oldest known living space marine. Abaddon is definitely older. Sure, yeah, and if you count any Chaos Marine. Bjorn Fellhanded is definitely older than Dante. But is he really living? I bet he's lived more than 1,500 years. Is he really living in a Dreadnought, though? Is, is living in a Dreadnought been, really living? I bet he's <laughs> more minutes awake than Dante <laughs> asleep. has. Yeah, I'm just okay. saying, like, it, it gets it gets messy. When I know that Dante is, like, declared that, but I also... Like, doesn't mean there isn't another space marine older than Dante. It means that Dante... Oldest is... living seems to be pretty definitive. <laughs> what if you don't know what their birthdays are? Do you How guys want to hear some cool psychic powers they have? Once you get that old... <laughs> Ignore. I want to fight about the age, age? of Daycock no, no, I think we should... <laughs> yeah? Okay. <laughs> no, I just... I understand that Dante is the oldest living space marine, but you're making the assumption that we know the birth date and the age of every single space marine. I didn't in the write it, Eric. You're, they that's, wrote that's it. That's written from the in, the perspective of someone in the Imperium who doesn't have all the data from the depths. You know who else uh, lives to be quite old? Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. 8,000 years? Uh-huh. I'm just saying there's some big sharks out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i not saying that he is older than Dante, but he probably is older. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's got some cool psychic powers that he's able to use. Uh, Rending Maw, yeah. the librarian calls forth the avatar of a great oceanic predator whose maw erupts from the very ground beneath the enemy. I wonder what predator that could be. The very stones and earth reform into shape of the jaws and teeth. That snapshot consuming all within a shower of gore. Is, Those that are not dragged below with or what? Is anyone else confused by the fact that Earth's oceans burned away thousands of years before the Carcharodons came into existence? Hold on. My sweet prince Eric, it's fine. It's fine. Let me tell you about this next site. Okay, yeah, I'm here. I'm here for it. It's called From the Depths <laughs> of the Oceans on Earth that burned away thousands of years ago. It's fine. The Carcharion Library clouds the minds of its adversary with a choking mental darkness, amplifying their fear and surprise so that it paralyzes them. Their minds writhe with the image, images of watery depths of numbing cold and writhing shapes, leaving them vulnerable to assault. Hmm. Very cool. That's that. Well, That's kind of neat. I like how they really have that water predator aesthetic. But like, they don't say shark. No. Yeah, it says oceanic predator. predator. <laughs> we want to be vague. Who's we like to be, I mean, their symbol. We like to be subtle. <laughs> <laughs> We like to have hidden meaning in what we do. I like the reader to look into. All right. You know, uh, hold on. Um, 
you know the endless spells models they have for yeah. Sage of Sigmar, yeah. They have that like maw. Ooh. That would be sweet to model it. That would be cool. As like a Karsheridon. I don't think I know attack. this maw. I know the sun and I know the There's a I lot. know the axe and I know the fire. Yeah. But... All the different like races have their own unique set and then they have like some general ones. I don't know a lot about AOS to be honest. I don't play it. But yeah. I do remember this maw and Merc. Yeah. Oh that one. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, that would be sweet. I've definitely, I've definitely played with that one. <laughs> You've even played with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was definitely thinking more of an animal and less of a fiery entity with teeth, fiery blob with teeth. I mean, it depends how you paint it, right? Yeah, you right. could you slap paint like that a bitch gray, and boom, it's a shark. <laughs> or you could just stick a shark toy on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so I didn't choose a character. I chose uh, the flagship of the Carcharodons, uh, Nikkor. Okay. So the Nikkor was a Karkaridon's notorious flagship during the Dab War and serves as the chapter's mobile fortress monastery. The Nikkor was a relic of ancient heritage, identified its make as a heavily modified, uh, you know, they give you some crazy word. Caribdis? Uh, Caribdis. You, you should never put a B and a D and a Y beside each other. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, but it was a grand cruiser of the Great Crusade and Horus Heresy era. The Nikkor is slightly smaller than the traditional battle barges of the more conventional Space Marine chapters. But if the records are to believe, the ship is both swift and lethal. The ship includes all your standard goodies, such as weapons batteries, macro battery broadsides, torpedo tubes, etc. But what makes this special, this ship really special is the plasma destructor and enhanced teleportarium. I feel like we mentioned something about this like 40 minutes ago where you were <laughs> like, just wait till you see how they get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, okay, I'll talk about the teleportarium first then. So oh, as okay. for the teleportarium, if the blueprints of this archaeotech device are accurate, these teleporters would be able to teleport a whole battle company at once. They could do so with the group degree of accuracy almost unheard of so and that makes their swift assaults insane a hundred terminators just appear yeah that's fucked yeah <laughs> goodbye <laughs> yeah uh so that's nice uh in regards to the plasma destructor two tech priests spent three th- solar months in <laughs> supplication and prayer amongst the cogitator stacks of the fleet archives and determined that such a weapon though short range could exceed the sheer destructive power of the bombardment cannons magnet bombs so, so it took three it took two tech priests three months to like go over code and, yeah, like, and like rub the sacred oils yeah. in and burn incense to be like hey yeah it is kind of powerful isn't it <laughs> <laughs> this, hey, thing, yeah. this thing actually could do a lot of damage <laughs> Eric should be a tech priest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a sweet gun. So it's like super close range. So they just fly right up. Well, it makes like they harpoon. Yeah. They get this ship stationary. And then what? They just unload this massive. So then they don't have to pull the the chains back. (laughs) (laughs) The poor slaves backs. Save them. Uh, So all in all, it's a pretty like badass, uh, a ship for their lifestyle, you know. It's, yeah, I like the sacrifice. Fast, I like the sacrifice of size for speed. Yeah, it's fast and deadly. It's not as armored, but it has like super enhanced like void shield generators to make up for that little bit of lack. Right. So it can still go toe to toe with other like heavy armored, other ships, battle barges you know? and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. And the other cool thing is, yeah, like like most of their fleet, this thing has been around pretty much forever. Tell that to Te Kahurangi. <laughs> He's been around forever, okay? Pour one out for time. <laughs> for the boys. Wait, he's still alive. <laughs> Don't pour it out. 
All right. For, the, for Taika? Oh, he is alive. That yeah. was a mistake. I take it back. <laughs> he did. You just killed him. <laughs> oh, no. Up next, we got Peter. Who are you going to oh, share with us? All right. Share uh, with us. I went with uh, Tyberos the Red Wake. Uh, so he is the presumed Carcharodon uh, commander in the Badab War. Uh, and he he speaks only in a whisper. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's not so bad. Why are people complaining serious. about my mumbling? When when did his name change from Edge Lord to Shade Lord? <laughs> the original. Uh, he is never seen out of his uh, archaic Terminator armor, uh, and at one point, uh, point his face is exposed. Uh, to he he looks to me like Darth Vader with his helmet off in Episode Six. How like pale he is. He's got the black eyes. Uh, and his skull is like exposed in like this gray white. Uh, and he's known for being a fast, efficient, brutal killer. Uh, he's really like a tactical serial killer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he just has no emotion and he's just running around, just like, like a horror movie, really, sure, just yeah. murdering people. Uh, yeah. And he has these awesome, oh, uh, that's a crazy picture of his uh face yeah, yeah. face oh. looking all messed up i think that up. was fan art though to be fair yeah uh and uh he has his ancient oh. gauntlets uh so he's got these power weapons uh that he named hunger and slake and so they're made with barbed power blades shaped in a mouth like teeth uh, and the adepts of Mars had never seen anything like it. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's probably it's yeah, it, the coolest thing he's got going on. Lightning I, claws with chain fists underneath. Yeah. Now, so when you grab, they just get <laughs> rended. Like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like Hunger and Slake, I feel like those are not actually that connected. I feel like it should oh, either no. be Hunger or Thirst or Feed and Slake. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's Hunger and Slake. I- I'm hungry, and I'm, I'm going to attack you with the left hand. But you don't slake uh, your and hunger. Then I slake. You slake your thirst, and you feed your hunger. <laughs> I would not be talking bad. Okay, you know what? <laughs> fair. Fair. I'm not going to ask Tyberos. Uh, hey, man, your naming convention is kind of... Actually, Tyberos, you named your... Gauntlets. He could just drop in here right now <laughs> with a hundred guys and in this room. You're just hundred marines. You're just gonna hear that whisper, <laughs> and it's gonna be in high gothic. I'm not even gonna understand it. The hunger, <laughs> ye slake. Yeah, and you're gone. <laughs> I like I like the hooks on the yeah. end of his thunder claws. You don't thunder claws, <laughs> lightning claws. <laughs> I don't. I yeah, forget. it's got a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. He's you got the claws on a power fist with a chain on it. You get the teeth underneath. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's it's a whole thing. Um, he now we recently talked about Moloch. Yeah. The leader of the Minotaur. And yeah. they I feel like these guys share some similarities. Yeah, like for example, see in this picture here, he's actually really tall, so he's a custode, this guy. Yeah. Uh, well he must be a custode. Well, let's not get into the... the Red Wake yeah. is, is there a any other reason why he would be tall if not for being a custody? Uh just just that's the only reason possible. Yeah. The only possible. That's all I see too. Okay. Um but I was more referring to the fact <laughs> that like they are never out of their armor. Mm. They are cold tacticians. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're actually both very quiet. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. They yeah. are very quiet. All right, who um, wins but, in a fight? <laughs> Holy that has been pitched. <laughs> Multiple yeah. times. Obviously, because the uh, Minotaur's chapter master is a, a custody, he would obviously win. Yeah, but so is him. Well, so is, he. So oh, is Tiberios. No. Yeah. I mean, they have the same. They're both tall. Yeah, they have the same amount of evidence pointing towards mm-hmm. them being custodies, mm-hmm. in my opinion. In my humble lore master <laughs> opinion. <laughs> um, where I'm never wrong about things. Yeah. So. Uh. Thank you for sharing Tiberios, the Red Wake. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, chill just went up my spine. Uh, let's... Oh, I didn't pick one. Okay. Because oh. I didn't do my homework. But with a quick search of the Googles, <laughs> I was able to find one. <laughs> All right. What are you sharing with us? All right. Um, so to be fair, a lot of the named characters don't have a lot on them. Um, They're kind of just mentioned in passing in the novels yeah. and stuff. And even with this guy, he had the biggest paragraph of not much information. <laughs> but the only reason I picked him is interesting. So his name is Bailshar. He's a member of the Space Shark chapter. He's born as Caderic, so his name was changed. Grandson of the guild mistress on the mining world of Zartak. Oh! So he's, he's actually from Zartak. Yeah. Zotonian. Sorry, he was Grand... Grandson of the Guild Mistress on the Mining World. So it's... Oh, okay. They do mention, like, the governor. If yeah. that is the same person as this Guild Mistress, they yeah. actually saved him from prison then. Yeah. Yeah. So if fairly high, like, prestigious background. It's interesting, too, that he changed his name. Um, and he's the current master of the third company of the chapter. Does he have a special title? Reaper Prime. Oh! <laughs> red Tide! So yeah. being... Uh, Former member of yeah. the Red Tide. He's like, I know exactly how Red Tide <laughs> go down. Trust me. I know just how to take everyone. <laughs> and uh, he's over- overseen the third since the ninth century of the 41st millennium. After Master Akia was killed fighting Xenos. Uh, Very cool. And he wears Mark III pattern power armor. Nice. That's looks, old. Yeah. He's got like Is that really... heresy? Like that there's was a around pic- during the Great Crusade, wasn't of him, it? Yeah. Wow. If uh, Mark wants to pull up his picture. What was his name? Bale? Bale Shar. S-H-A-R-R. Ball (laughs) (laughs) Shar. Look, listen. We'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe try Kersheridon. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, Okay. Go back. Go back. There is no back. Go back. There's only forward. I'm not going to lie. We're struggling on the TV today, apparently. There he is. Look at him. Yeah. And you can see he has like that custom kind of chain axe thing going on. Oh, I've seen that piece of artwork before. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, cool. Yeah. Very neat. Well, thank you for sharing. Bale Shar. Uh, Reaper Prime. Chris. Lexicanum. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Lexicanum. <laughs> Um, I think that's it for the Carcharodons. Yeah. So now let's do what we do best and, and fight each other. Have half developed, <laughs> half baked ideas. Ideas where we that you dig in. Defend. Yes. Like, for no whatever good the cause. Reason. No reason whatsoever. Right, Christian, you will be taking the position of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get into some tales of the warp stuff. Mark, you want to kick us off here? Okay. So let's talk about Gene Seed Origin. You guys know how much I love talking Gene Seed Origin. And believe it or not, 
This one might suffer from chimeric gene seed. Yay, another chapter. Chimeric. It's my favorite. <laughs> no, you dickheads. It's Raven Guard gene seed. So just <laughs> fucking drop it, okay? It's not Night Lords. All right. Why do people no. think okay. they are so, chimeric? So, um... The main reason that I could determine uh, was so the Ashen Claws, we'll go back to them. We've mentioned them before. So the Ashen Claws were formerly a Raven Guard Legion, 18th chapter, and had despaired at chaos engulfing the galaxy. They turned against both the Imperium and the forces of chaos, unleashing devastation on the Light Lords and their homeworld, uh, their home sector of Nostromo. Afterward, they had slipped away, disappearing from both Imperial space and records. But they show up time and time again, and they are very still very much still active. So the Carcharodons only deal with the, their renegade brethren in the most dire of circumstances, especially when their own numbers have grown too thin to be replenished by the Red Tithes. So the the Raven Guard, they had a chapter of the Ashen Claws. They kind of it was went their on their 18th own battle way. company. Yeah, but they have a history of showing up and kind of defending sometimes the Imperium. Uh, especially when it involves Raven Guard right. chapters or chapter successors. So yeah. they are renegades. They, they don't are. necessarily work for the Imperium, mm-hmm. but they also fight chaos. Yeah. And they will protect some people. Yeah. So when the when the um when the Carcharodons really absolutely last resort need more gene seed, they will go to the Ashen Claws and they will get them from the Ashen Claws, who have Raven Guard gene seed. Right. Now there's stories of the Ashen Claws who they have taken World Eater and Night Lord Gene Seed and incorporated into their own Gene Seed. So there is that two yeah. guys in the chapter and all sure. the others are still Raven Guard? Probably. Yeah, but so. it, it could lead people to believe that yeah. because the Ashen Claws have some kind of chimeric Gene Seed, then as soon as the Carcharodons yeah. get some, yeah. they then, instantly have it now. Yeah, but like like I said, like how much... Did they take one recruit from them? Like, mm-hmm. how often? Do they then continue to use that gene seed? Probably because they will, but I don't know. It just It's one of those things where there's no real reason for them to be night lords except because... <laughs> because that and that is literally cool. the only noise they make when they read Chimeric Gene Seed. Like, just <laughs> sexual giggling. You know, it just makes them frisky. May I giggle sexually? <laughs> you may. <Now. laughs> we will allow it. I will take the once. opposing position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so apparently, and this is something I just Googled because I'm looking for the opposing position because I didn't <laughs> have a firm position myself until now. Yeah. And I will fight to the death to defend it. <laughs> now that I know where you are, Mark, um, <laughs> I know <where> I am. <laughs> I'm on the opposite side. Um, during the Red Tithe book, um, Te Kahurangi Sheridith, um, Hold on, I got to read quick. Oh yeah, so this <laughs> the entire guy, book. Give me like ten minutes. Yeah. So, so this guy at one point he he calls a bunch of uh, Ashen Claws or something like wayward traitors. Yes, yeah, traitor. Yeah. No, he says the words traitor born, traitor scum, born, yeah, implying so. that they're. Now, I mean, could you use that phrase to hinge an entire argument on? You know, who knows? But it's just the one idea person's being, perspective. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and even like saying a phrase like "traitor born," like do you like when someone calls you a son of a bitch? Do they literally mean <laughs> you are of dog breed? What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> you are of dog breed, right? So. Li- someone like translates all these idioms and curses into like literal. <laughs> you dog breed person. Yeah. So oh. I'm not gonna take a firm position on one half-cocked saying but i will die again to defend this point the now the title of shade lord correct me if i'm wrong but that comes from the raven uh guard 18th company doesn't it it comes from the ashen claws yeah 
So I think one of the ideas is that when the Ravenclaw, um, Ashen, wow. Claws. Yeah. Ravens. Sharks. (laughs) Sharknadoes. (laughs) When the Ashen Claws, uh, refused to like go back to the Raven Guard and kind of like separated themselves from the Raven Guard. Hmm. If that was like the period of their edict of exile, um, what like, why would you think that they aren't like they come from the, they have the Shade Lord, they have this connection yeah. to them, they do go back to them. What's your reason for saying that they aren't using like the the Chimeric Gene Seed? Is it okay? Just so, the, no, no, just yeah. Don't... So, so yeah. So here's how I think it all in my head. So. They come from the Ashen Lords. The Edicts of Exile is actually them pretty much banishing themselves from the Imperium. So Does they it sound so, like a portion of the Ashen Claws yeah, 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 yeah. broke away. Exactly. That's okay. what I like to think. Or like, because chapters back in the Horus Heresy could be thousands strong, right? Hundreds so, of thousands. Yeah, that's a little excessive, but let's not get carried <laughs> away. But so they, I like to think they made themselves in. You know, that's that, and then yeah, sure, they still have dealings with them and. Through, whatever but that like, sounds it's like a forgotten history exactly it's right? like it's they're not getting all their recruits from the ashen claws that they're getting so many recruits from them that the night lords and world leader gene seed is like seeping into the carcaridons in any meaningful way like right. they just don't recruit in that method because they do the red tithe right you know uh there are two things that or i guess three things that are we constantly mention but we haven't talked about and that is the wandering ancestors the Forgotten One, yeah. and the Edicts of Exile. Yeah. So the Emperor is Rangu, yeah. and he is the father of the Forgotten One. Now, I am pretty convinced that means the Forgotten One is their Primarch. Yeah, and the Wandering Ancestors is the Ashen. Or the Ashen Claws <clears throat> or the people that left the Ashen Claws, because you were like, oh, yeah. what if they left them? Yeah. And, you know, they abandoned their brothers and their old oaths, yeah. and that could be why they exiled themselves, and now they stay outside waiting for uh, Korax, is yeah. his name? Yeah. Okay. There you go. You waiting for Korax to come back and kind of absolve them of the sin of, like, leaving the Raven Guard. Yeah, leaving the Imperium, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they like, while the Carcharodons themselves are loyal, yeah. like, they've come from bad like a a, yeah. a renegade chapter, yeah. which is, to the Imperium, that's like yeah, that's you're bad not enough to be. You're bad. not loyal. Yeah. yeah. So I like to think that that like the Edicts of Exile are when they left. Yeah. They kind of split themselves off, and they're just waiting for Korax to come back and welcome them, yeah. forgive them. Yeah, and like after ten thousand years too, I don't even think they know it's no. Korax, of course, like, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. I think they're just as in the dark, and it's just turned into like their own mythos yeah. and their own like culture that they teach and talk like Tei Kahurangi like he shares the story of how he's only three generations removed from the wandering ancestors and therefore over (laughs) 8,000 years old. (laughs) Changes every time he tells it too. Right but wouldn't he know to have a better idea. Exactly. So he He either can't be that old or you're wrong. You gotta pick one Eric and Mark now fight. (laughs) Okay okay so <laughs> Which one? Mark's <laughs> Where are you? Our battle is going to take entirely place in our minds. <laughs> ah! Well, I'm I'm satisfied with that conclusion. Were you yeah. satisfied? Yeah, it's yeah. All right. Well, 
<laughs> Moving on, I guess. Okay, so that's why I think that the Night Lords yeah. and World Eater Gene Seed doesn't really matter. Sure. The, it just seems, yeah, the scale just doesn't seem large enough for yeah. them to be like, oh, half of our Gene Seed is Night Lords. Exactly, for it to yeah. make a difference. They do their own red tie. They obviously have their own Gene Seed tie yeah. vaults. They only go to the Ashen Claws in times of dire straits because they don't want to engage with a renegade chapter exactly. if they can afford to avoid it. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I agree that I think the idea of that chimeric gene seed is a little yeah. bleh. little yeah, you can get it behind it with the Minotaurs, but not with them. These guys, it's just so clear yeah. in my mind. Anyways. Any other takes on Gene Seed, Christian? Did you finish reading the book? Okay. Forgotten ones? Yes. Night Lords. Why? Conrad Kurz. Why? Emperor Silva Father, right? Yeah. Conrad Kurz is the for- forgotten premarch. Night Lords are like the ancestors that they broke from. So you're saying they are just from Night Lord? I'm not oh, saying anything. Okay, so let's let's suppose. I'm not they... saying anything. I'm letting the evidence speak for itself. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> you're just you literally just suppose. Suppose <laughs> no, with me that there was evidence for this. <laughs> I'm only letting the evidence speak. <laughs> if you say the Night Lord, I don't say anything. I'm just looking for a fight. I I do agree with Mark, but. Yeah. Someone has to I think that play makes, devil's it advocate. It makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah it, it fits um, pretty smoothly. I, I was reading more, too, about, like, um, the author... Because they have... The, the Carcharodons have a couple books. So the author says, like, yeah, I know what they are, <laughs> you know, and, like, you'd be surprised. Oh and it's God. just like, okay, fuck off, bud. Like, Nerds are going to lose their minds <laughs> Exactly, over and that's that all this is. Like, he yeah. knows what it is, he but he won't knows. tell us. <laughs> 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 Watch him write another book and then flat out say they're Night Lords. Just, <laughs> just for no reason. And then he's just going to say, the evidence spoke for itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. I have another question. Yeah. Why would they choose to not inhabit Utheka and why would they remain their fleet-based chapter? Yeah, just 10,000 years of tradition. They're still in exile. Their Primarch hasn't come back yet. What like, do we do with this planet? What do we yeah. do with this planet? Yeah. Just put it with the other ones. <laughs> Do you think do you think they do anything with it at all or is it just like they've left it if they laid a claim to it what do you think they would do with it It's a vacation property <laughs> <laughs> They it's rent it out when they're they away it. and then yeah. they go in and use yeah, it when It's they need an to. Airbnb planet That's yeah. right <laughs> That's not bad. Uh, I like the idea that they don't feel like they deserve the planet. You know, they're still in exile. They haven't been absolved of like their sin or whatever it is. Self-flagellation there. Yeah. Well, I mean we have mentioned before that it's a self-imposed exile. Like they view themselves as deserving to be cast out, but also yeah, they don't. Fleet based. Do they know why they exile themselves? No idea. No. And so, like, how can it ever end? Yeah, it never ends, right? Well, it might never, but I mean, that's that's forty k, bitch. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it never things ends. might never get better. <laughs> yeah. In fact, most likely it's, it's not, gonna get worse. Yes, you're gonna get exiled further out of the galaxy. <laughs> I just don't know if that's like their motivation behind not using the planet because they just they take whatever they need. Yeah, right? it's not like they don't feel like, oh, I don't deserve your fortress monastery. Right, I'll exactly. take that. Yeah, yeah. They, pr- I just think it's just a practical thing. Like we roam. We're nomads. Like, if someone bought, like, someone who had a nomadic lifestyle a house, well, they choose to be nomads. Sure, that doesn't like, necessarily mean they would go Or they don't it. want yeah. it, right? They're just like, oh, cool, thanks. I'm still going to go, right? Like, yeah. I like to imagine that they farm Utheka 
for people. <laughs> people farm. <laughs> the my. best kind of farm. My God. <laughs> um, since they are fleet-based, why do you think we don't see more of them spread throughout the galaxy? Why do you think that? Well, that we don't see a lot of them? I like the idea that they're very particular with their targets. Hmm. Um, and that, like, I think a lot of space marines are willing to answer the call out of a sense of, like duty and honor and even if it's like a losing battle they might not care i see what you're saying um or they just feel obligated to do this thing or to be present but the carcaridons and i like i like the scene of them outside of the galaxy yeah and they have their fleet and you know maybe they're receiving transmissions every once in a while through their astropathic choir or whatever yeah. but they're just circling and like there's and a couple of fleets too because like yeah. they might separate they Absolutely. can they have the ability to do that they might separate into 10 fleets yeah, yeah, and, yeah. but they're all, but they're all outside. circling they're yeah. outside the galaxy and they're just waiting and they're waiting and they're looking and they're assessing and it's the it's the same thing that they do in battle just on that macro scale yeah they're like and, probing and yeah, yeah i think that's why i don't we don't see a lot yeah. of them there is that it just doesn't fit like who they are and who mm. they are is just very targeted very yeah. precise waiting to unleash their savageness there's, and that doesn't work if they do it every day there's probably even battles too that they go to and like no one even knows like right they were there because they just all they left was the red mist exactly like, yeah <laughs> they just leave bodies yeah. behind them yeah. yeah you don't see them because they don't want to be seen right they don't want to talk to you yeah, yeah. yeah. they are they're actively trying to avoid you yeah that'd yeah. be kind of cool if there's like reports of like an orc battle fleet that's just dis- disintegrated that someone stumbles across witnesses like, say they seen bite no, marks no. in the space hall <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Witnesses say there was a harpoon. Tired. <laughs> well, how do you think their the like size of them compares to other chapters? Like, it seems like at times they're running short on their army, yeah. or they're needing help. Uh, yeah, we have examples like of them. They didn't even that. have enough to do a red tithe and collect everyone. So, like, is it almost like they're like teetering on the edge at times of? Of being in serious trouble? Almost like the shark population. <laughs> <laughs> this is all just a political... Like, save, save the, the sharks! sharks. <laughs> um, I, I kinda, I've never really thought about that, but I like that. I like the idea that they aren't necessarily at full strength, and they might have not been at full strength for a long time, and maybe they're teetering on, like, we now just have enough to participate in something, and... Oh, if we lose, you know, five, six Marines, now it's, like, not worth it. It's too dangerous for us to go well, cause out. because everything they have is so ancient. Yeah. It's always in need of repairs. Like, I, I do think there's that interesting kind of tension of, like, oh, man, like, we're always in trouble here. Like, <laughs> Which is we're re- just barely getting by. <laughs> Reverse of, like, the Minotaurs who are always well-funded, well-supplied. Right. Have all the bodies they need. They don't care. Whereas these guys are, yeah, a lot more careful. Yeah, and maybe that even speaks to the fact that they feel the necessity for looting and, like, taking things because maybe what they're having access to isn't that great. So they're constantly trying to upgrade themselves. Okay, your red tithe is, we have to take everyone. I think I can really get on board with the idea of a perpetually understrengthed chapter in this. Yeah. Um. I was not able to find any specifics on chapter numbers, but the Carcaridon fleet, though extensive, is inconsistent. So, but they do have like a large fleet, yeah. like and uh, part of that is just due to the fact that a it's so old and b they don't engage yeah. often. Yeah. 
with its, with its line and battle uh, ships are numerous examples of either very ancient, salvaged, or extensively repaired vessels. Yeah. But, yeah, they have a huge fleet for sure, but we don't know how many guys they are. But sure. I like what you guys are saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I like when, the idea of a huge fleet, and then we need billions of people to crew this right, fleet. Right, exactly. Yeah. Understaffed. You yeah. You have as many warriors yeah. as you'd want. And... Yep. Okay. So they are a savage, tactical, mercifully cold, but understrength chapter with cool tech, but not a lot of it, and some of it might not be in the best repair. <laughs> Constantly making shady deals with some <laughs> renegades. Uh-huh. That sounds like desperation to me. Yeah, yeah. it definitely You wouldn't does. have to go to, like, the heretics if you had a, you know. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't risk tainting yourself, right? Yeah. Or your yeah. Okay. reputation. I like it. Peter's onto something. He's a good sharkologist. Cool. <laughs> we brought him here for his shark knowledge. <laughs> uh, cool. And then the last thing I have on here, uh, Mark, which I think is your favorite topic of all. Um, yeah, so Primaris Marines. Yeah, what do we think? Do we want some, like, great white sharks or something? <laughs> it went from to... bull sharks to great white. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do we... Hammerhead? Yeah, what is the <laughs> yeah. Primaris theme? Part of the ship, part of the crew. <laughs> uh yeah do they get primaris yeah yeah they get they've gotten primaris there's this sweet uh article i was reading on the community site it was from 2018 it was a guy who made a bunch of primaris marines and he's like yeah, yeah he, i'm really excited he was with... doing his phobos right? yeah, yeah 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 really excited to add them so yeah they they get them they get their reinforcements probably they probably have them less than everybody else i would yeah. imagine just due to all like the supply stuff we've been talking about but do we think that they are they don't care about Primaris, or they willingly accept it. Do they view it with any skepticism? What do we think? Yeah, like they're not—they're not a super codex compliant thing. They no, kind of do their own thing, but they—they they are seem pretty stuck on tradition. It seems to be a very, yeah. very strong theme. Yeah, so. they have a—it was called like an unbelievable loyalty or something yeah. to the Imperium. But so, then, if they no receive, reason to deny the primaries, right? Exactly. I if they think. receive them as like an order from Terror or the Emperor's yeah. will, then sure, maybe they accept yeah. them. But on the other hand, they're like very reclusive, so they're like, we yeah. suddenly have a bunch of new guys who don't know anything, don't know about how we operate. Yeah. yeah. Also, they're on the outside of the galaxy, even just getting recruits there. How? Like, there's tons of chapters. <laughs> We're just gonna having... fire some primaries <laughs> up into space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like. Well, was that Mars's? That was not their goal. They just shot every direction. direction. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, "We'll get it. You we'll get, get primaries. You get primaries." Yeah. They just have to wait on Mars for them to come by. <laughs> for initially, yeah, they had to wait for the gray shields. But yeah, I like the idea that they might not accept the gray shields fully. But I think yeah, when they have their own technology and understanding of how to make the primaries, yeah, yeah, I don't see any reason why they would say. No, or like yeah. they have no doctrinal reason to yeah. avoid the primaries or anything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I would say they yeah wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, yeah, but they wouldn't be the first ones to have it, and they probably wouldn't have a lot of it right now. Mm-hmm. That'd be my that'd be my stance. Yeah, I just think for the Carcharodons, really a missed opportunity. <laughs> aesthetically uh-huh i think if they just had more of like those eldar style giant helmets uh. would really fit with uh-huh. that shark head kind of theme you paint Monocle, that up nice okay. got a nice shark dome going <laughs> i can convert that i'll make that happen you just chop off like the 
like that Eldar curvy thing yeah, on the Eldar. It's hair just a at the top <laughs> and any of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Uh, well, before we actually wrap up the episode itself, yeah. Um, let's thank all of our new Imperial Tithers, and we have a a lot to go through. So please save your applause until the end of the list. Yeah. Thank you to Tyler, Chris, Mustafa, Adam, He Man Lady H Eight, Dylan, Zach, Firecube, Alexander, Dine, Justin, Doc the Outlaw, John, Scott. Sergio, Empty Illusion, Luculum, Cash, Osoyek, Osoyek, <laughs> Papa Randy, <laughs> Path, Gavin, Daniel, Saul, Sarah, Brain, Warzone Wally, Aurora.x, Agrin, Matthew, Shane, Juho, Connor, Grey Knight 1971. Damn it. He mentioned Grey Knights in this episode. He did it. <laughs> no, no. This is Grey with an A and not an E. Oh. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Grey Knights? Shut <laughs> <laughs> that easy. Uh, Jaren, Marcus, Hins, Andrew, Tiberiu, uh, Andre, Matthew, Trevor, Laughing Forest, James, Ian, Coonerbus. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so sexual, but I don't even know if it is. Uh, <laughs> but get that Coonerbus. He's like listening. That's my real name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Brad, Alex, Mark, Ricardo, LOL, Santa, Visconti, Fabian, Gafak. 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 Or yeah. Gafak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't read. Saint Tattoo, Andre, Charlie and Amp. Nice. Thank you so much, guys, Thank for contributing you. to our Patreon and being a part of Lorehammer. Oh, Make sure you all join us on our Discord and yeah. start participating in our contest. But before you do that, go on Instagram. Type in Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Send that man a message. <laughs> how many, realistically, how many people do we actually think need to message Henry Cavill? Before we at least get a message back. Like, I'm going to say at least all. So, like, yeah. just to be safe, all. And what what do we think, like, is the message back, hey, I would love to be on the show, or please stop texting <laughs> me? What, what do we think? Yeah, yeah, it's going to definitely I think it's like that. 80-30. <laughs> 80% chance that he's like, please stop. We're met with Cease lawsuits. And yeah. yeah. And 30% chance that he's like, hey, I would love to be on I'll take that 30% chance, yeah. and I'll run with it. And a 5% chance that we just get gobbledygook back. Okay. Also, what other celebrities do we want? Now that we're harassing people yeah, to yeah. on our show. Let's just Danny harass Zavito, I've always liked him. Oh my God. <laughs> just random stories have no association with Warhammer. So anyways, I started blasting <laughs> Danny DeVito, are you aware that your character has been made into a meme in the Necron community? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that, what a world. Danny DeVito, that would be phenomenal. <laughs> you listen, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> Can I call you Danny? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call you Danny. Don't call me. I'm going to call you Danny. Uh, anyways, thank you, Peter, for joining us. Anytime. Thank you, Christian, for being on your very last episode. Anytime. <laughs> well, this is your last one. So. Speak up. I didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, Mark. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Eric. Sometimes a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Checks out. The math works. Yeah. Uh, to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on this journey through sea space, the sea of stars. 
into the maw of the Carcharodon Astra. Uh, next episode, Mark, you can say it, and then we get to guess, is it a lie or is it truth? Okay, what's, what's the next okay, episode? Okay, okay. <sighs> well, it's going to be Tempestus Scions. Tempestus mm-hmm. Scions. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Is it a lie? Is, is it, it truth? truth? Let us know Place on the Discord. Place your bets in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all next time. See ya, thanks. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.